Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. Hey, hey, it's me, Dr. Fuck, and with me is... Oh, yeah! And we just finished a very long, long, long review of Randy Rhodes' Ozzy Osbourne's tribute album. The very first time we did a live album review. We've never done this before. That's right. And because uh, we got a we got a donation for this, and we yeah. actually have them on the show with us. So why don't we just go into the review and tell you who that person is, and let's get into this shit. A lot of good information on this one. Let me see your lights out there. Yes, you get you get a lot of backstories on Ozzy and and guitar geek talk. Check it out. All right, now it's time to review the 1987 live album tribute. Right, 87, right? Correct. Right. Yes, and Ian, who do we have with me this week? Ah, uh, this week, man, you want to talk about an old school fan, Jacob Wood. Uh, Jake's been here for a long time, and in fact, uh, we met him when we first met at the Rush show. That right, is, right. that is very true. That's yeah, it's a first. We're actually going to have somebody on the show that. He and I actually met in person. Yes, and cool. we got we got we all got drunk in my basement, <laughs> the bar. Oh yeah, the yeah. bar. Yeah, we got very soft. There was a lot of rolling rocks flowing that night. Oh, oh yeah. yes, there was. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, good, good time, and man, good what show. a great rush show. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we are gonna uh, review the the 1987 Ozzy tribute album for Randy Rhodes. Um, this was, um, well, fuck, I, I don't have no background, tell us, Ian. Uh, well, th- this is one I was eagerly anticipating, because I didn't know that much about Randy Rhodes at the time. I came in with, uh, with Ultimate Sin, and was a huge Jake fan, but I remember seeing all the ads for this, and reading about this guy, Randy Rhodes, and Hit Parader, because that's basically all we had back then, was, you know, Hit Parader and Circus and shit like that, so, uh... So this is the first Ozzy that I was actually waiting uh, to come out. And I remember when it did, I played the shit out of it. And for a while, and then it's one of those I just kind of put away. And I remember I did get it on CD. Like, I found a used copy at, at, a, at a record store and bought it. But to tell you the truth, I don't think I've listened to this all the way through like I did today. Probably since '88 would be the last time I listened to this all the way through. So it's it's not something I really go back to. <coughs> yes, I haven't heard this album in quite a while, but that's because you know it's in my DNA. So it's like I know how this album is. Uh, I know everything about this album, and I remember it well. So there's nothing I had to study. A lot of our reviews are that way, though. There's a lot. I mean, especially our earlier reviews. I wouldn't study. I wouldn't study shit. It's just like, let's do it. But some sometimes it's like, oh man, let me hear that again just to refresh myself. But how can I refresh myself to something that I'm so used to hearing over and over again? It's like, are we really going to fucking sit back and listen to Back in Black when we do a fucking review of that? You know, seriously. Well, I, I do it with every album, but some I need to, and some I do it just to maybe find something new to bring up. You know, some, some, just listening to an album sometimes will... Like, bring back a memory, you know, something that, you know, 
has to do with the time the album came out, because a lot of people love those stories, you know, even more than the actual details. So that's why I always do it. And sometimes it's just, man, I forgot a song or something. Right. I mean, all I can say before we get into this album is, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of Randy. I actually did get to see him live one time. And, um, you know, and uh, I was very eagerly waiting for this tribute album, even though I've had many, many, like, live recordings, like King Biscuit, Flower Hour, that I recorded myself. Gee, you know, believe it or not, and I still have it. I have an 8-track. I used to have an 8-track recorder, and they gave uh, Ozzy Live with Randy on King Biscuit, and I recorded it with my 8-track player while Randy Rhodes was still alive. He wasn't dead yet, and I still have that 8-track. Yeah. Wow, uh, so... Yeah. You can buy blank eight tracks. Yes, you can actually no, buy. I've never seen that. Yep, you can buy black no. black eight tracks. I don't think I I could be wrong, but I don't think you can record over like you know eight tracks you buy with music on. I'm not sure. You know, but uh, yes, I, and that's the only eight track I own. It's an all black eight track, and uh, doesn't have no. It had a paper on it, but it was ripped off, so it has that like you know white little strips all over it but um yeah it was a show that was from i believe montreal it's like probably the most popular one yeah it's it's all over youtube yeah Yeah. i know the show you're talking about yeah that when it starts with flying high again Mm -hmm. they they never had or maybe i I don't know is later on but yeah it's weird It's it's a show that started flying high again and this was uh recorded before die of a madman came out and I did see the uh, Blizzard of Oz tour where they play. The Blizzard of Oz tour is pretty much this album we're hearing, except uh-huh. uh, No No Bone Movies and Goodbye to Romance are two songs that weren't played the night I saw it. But everything else that's on this. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this is Aldridge and Sarzo, right? Uh, on yes. All, on all but two songs. Which, uh, which would be No Bone Movies and Goodbye to Romance, I bet. Yes, sir. There I is. didn't know that. I assumed yeah. it was uh, Tommy Aldridge and uh, Rudy Sarzo and everything. Now, uh, the first, I believe, the first 11 songs are all from the same concert. Uh, it was recorded on my seventh birthday, May 11th, 1981, in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, with the exception of the extended guitar solo and Suicidal, uh, was from the Montreal show in 81. And then... Uh, the other two songs, let me see where they're from. Uh, they're from Southampton, uh, over over in England. Yeah, I was, 19- yeah, I was about to say, it can't be Virginia because that, that lineup didn't come here. Yeah, no, no, that, that's over in England in uh, October second, nineteen eighty. Wow, a, I never knew that. Yeah, there's a. Sam- I thought the whole thing was eighty one. No, there's a Southampton in Virginia, right? Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but I believe they're talking about Europe because that lineup never played over here. And I actually have a bootleg of the, of the actual Blizzard of Oz lineup, too. Oh, yeah, I do from uh, the second show in... No, it wasn't the first show. In, in uh, Glasgow? Yes, I have that. Yeah, I've heard that one. And, and it's an audience recording, and it sounds amazing. Yeah, and you can tell it was a really small crowd, too. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. That was the very yeah. first show, right? I believe so, as far yeah. as I know. Yeah, yeah, I thought, you know, I was thinking either the first or second show of the show, but yeah, I do have that. And, uh, yeah, that was a killer lineup, man. I mean, it sounded good live, too, you know? What a great band. I mean, in my opinion, that they released two albums that have no filler whatsoever. I know Ian disagrees. 
Because we've already yes. reviewed uh, Blizzard and Diary, so, you know. Well, Ian, let me ask you this. I know Ralph obviously has, but you probably, Ian, you probably heard Blizzard and Diary before Tribute, right? Uh, yes, yes, I had those, because as soon as I got Ultimate Sin, I went back and got uh, Blizzard, Diary, and, uh, and Bark. I got from Columbia House. It took me a while to get Speak of the Devil. But, uh, but yeah, I, I heard that the studios before this. Well, see, my perspective is backwards. I got into music about the time this came out, and I, a lot of people don't agree with me, but I never even listened to Blizzard of Oz just because Tribute exists. Like, if I want to hear those songs, I'm going to put on Tribute, because the production of Blizzard of Oz compared to the quality of Tribute to me is just like night and day difference. It's like... Tribute is just real bright and crisp and it cuts through the mix, which I don't know. I've always hated the sound of Blizzard of Oz. It sounds real muffled to me. Well, yeah. I'll, I've said this a million times before and I will say it again. I have I have really bad ears for production. I can't tell what sounds bad or what sounds good, but I always point at Blizzard of Oz. I said, okay, that one I can tell doesn't sound good. It's night and, yeah. day, it's night and day from that to Diary. If, if Oh, absolutely. I always said if Blizzard sounded like Diary, I would probably say Blizzard's better. Because I think the songs on there are just exceptional. But Diary, I mean, or, or Tide. Because Diary, to me, has the same quality of music, but the sound makes it even better for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, my bass, player, my bass player is next to me, and, and looks like he has the sniffles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the sniffles. Uh but I've got a, I, I'm in the weird minority where I, I fully acknowledge that uh, Diary sounds a million times better production-wise, but the, but the production on Blizzard never really bothered me. To me, it's a lot like the raw production on uh, the first Iron Maiden. But I, I mean, I could, it's definitely inferior. But I, it doesn't bother me the way it seems to bother other people. I, I, I just think you know the songs are are weaker. You know, I definitely give. You know, uh, diary the knot as far as song wise, but that that's just well. Know, I will opinion. I will tell you this: my two favorite Aussie songs are off Diary. It's 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 bookmark. You know, it's the first and last song on my two favorite Aussie songs. Uh, but um, <coughs> but I, in retrospect, I feel like Wizard of Oz doesn't sound that great when it first came out. You know, I I got into it obviously before. Shit, I saw it. I saw that tour before. Blizzard came, I mean, Diary came out, and it, the, the sound didn't bother me at all. It wasn't until, I guess, you know, years and years and years later, it dawned on me. I was like, man, it sounds kind of like, like Jacob said, muffled. You know? Well, well, one thing I want to ask, ask you, Ralph, because when I was uh, studying for this last night and this morning, I started thinking about that box set that you got that has the remaster. Holy shit. Lucky you got that when you did. A, a sealed copy that's now like around 300 bucks. Really? But uh, but uh, what what do you think of the job they did on that? Because that's when they went back and remastered. But it's got the original, you know, recordings. It's not the shit with Trujillo and, and Borden on it. Is there a is there any improvement on on Blizzard in that package that you got? Uh, not from the vinyl, from the original CD. Yes, because the vinyl was always sounded a little better. The original vinyl. But right. the, 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 the way it was transferred on, on CD was because I did actually, I, what, what happened was like what I was saying, like for years I was thinking this doesn't sound as good, you know, as Diary, but 
it's because I was I, I was judging it by the CD because I never put on the vinyl ever again. Actually, I gave away the vinyl, and uh, you know you know that whole story. And right. uh, but I ended up buying the vinyl again before that box set come out came out, and I compared. I put them back to back, and I was and when I put put on it did sound better because 180 gram it does have a better sound, a little more um, deeper sound, but it's not that drastic of the okay. original and it still has that muffly sound even the 180 gram you know interesting but uh it does bring i don't know if it's that one or diver man man that brings ozzy osbourne live and, yeah it com comes with diary yeah jacob do you have that one what's that the ozzy osbourne live it was a bonus disc on uh, diver man man no, Dude. I don't. I may have heard it. I don't think I have it. Let me tell you something, man. I like this. I like that one more than tribute. It's so good. It's, oh, it's so good. I may have heard it, but I mean, there's so much stuff on YouTube that's mislabeled and different labels. So I'm not sure what I've actually yeah. heard. And and something I found out when I was looking for that box set, Ralph. Uh, they put out the Ozzy Live independently. You, it was like a record store day release. But you can you can get that. It's a double vinyl. I have it. Uh, yeah, but but I'm just saying, you know, for the listeners, you oh, yeah. can get it on Discogs for like twenty bucks. Yeah, and I highly recommend it because it sounds so good, and and I think the performance is a little more. I don't know. I mean, I, I, no, I have nothing bad to say about tribute, but and and you know me, man. I love fake live albums, and there and Ozzy's voice is enhanced on that. Uh, I can tell. I can tell that Ozzy's voice is a little different than the actual recording because Ozzy, Ozzy's voice, uh, even back then, wasn't as strong, but it was better than it was, like you know, in later tours. But you, but on that Ozzy Osbourne live, you can tell it's that early Ozzy voice from uh, the first, from the first era, and uh, and there's something I don't know. There's there's like an I guess the word would be ambiance to that Ozzy Osbourne live. It's a little more warm sounding, and uh, where tribute is a little more, you know, let's make this a hit. So let's sweeten it up a little right. bit here and there. And there are, and, and I will talk about little differences uh, you, where I can tell a total. I I know. See, I grew up with like that King Biscuit Flower on stuff, so I know how that that set list was run. And in this, and in this. Uh, it's really one song. One song is like so. They do something on one song. It's like no, that's not how it was. But we'll get into that when we get into that. But uh, well, well, one thing I was gonna bring up about what you said, uh, what they did to Ozzy's voice on this is they double tracked it. So uh, to kind of beef it up, it, it's it's what they do to all rat records. Uh, Bo Hill always did that with Stephen Piercy to make his voice a little bit better. They always double tracked it. That's what they did with Ozzy's voice on this. So did they double track his voice with the original recording, or it was double tracked in 1987? Uh, that that I don't know. It just says that that's what they did to his voice. They double tracked it. Yeah. Now whether they had him, you know, whether they just did two of, of back then, or if they had him go into the studio and sing it again, and they did it, I'm not sure. Right, right. But it, but but it is enhanced. All right, cool. And I also want to bring up one little thing. Well, I guess, are we going to go into the album? Because I want to say something about it. I don't know before we get into it. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the best version of I Don't Know Live was a B-side. Even better than the Ozzy Osbourne Live version. And you can hear it 
I don't know if it's been enhanced on Prince of Darkness, the box set, but it is that version. Um, I gotta listen to Back in Black, uh, Back to Back, because I don't have the B-side. I never owned it, but I have this Metal Shop tribute to uh, Randy Rudsworth, uh, Kevin DeBro being the cocky guy he was back then. This was back in, you know, when Quiet Riot was still big. Uh, he, he was slamming Ozzy even in that thing. Like, oh, I didn't like the Ozzy stuff, but I will say the live version of I Don't Know is amazing. And they played it on at Metal Shop, and I think that version is just phenomenal. But I don't know what B-side that was off of. I mean, maybe you can look it up, but there's a I Don't Know live version that, and it is on that Prince of Darkness box set, but I don't recall if it's the same, you know, I think maybe it is Trujillo, I don't know. Or no, it probably is Sarzo and uh, and Aldridge, because I think those guys never pissed Sharon off. Okay, uh, according to Wikipedia, the I Don't Know live version on Prince of Darkness is from Tribute. Really? Okay, then, then there's a different version that's a B-side. Uh, that's, I think, the best version of uh, I Don't Know. But, uh, though, but well... Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, though, I believe that's a mistake because, well, it could be editing out the intro because the length of the version on uh, Prince of Darkness is five minutes and two seconds. The one on Tribute is 540, but it could be, because I haven't listened to Prince of Darkness in years. I have it, but I haven't listened to it. They might have cut out that, <coughs> you know, that, 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 that right. shit that he does yeah. every concert. But, but according to that, yeah. It's the same one from Tribute. All right, cool. So, yeah, yeah, the, the album starts off with I Don't Know, and uh, that was the, the mainstay opening song for uh, that tour. And then I believe, uh, didn't Bark of the Moon start with that fucking song? I think so, that tour. But, um, yeah, what can I say? It's, it smokes. It's a great song. It's, it's a classic and uh, the live version does it justice, you know, and like Jacob's saying, it sounds better than the, the, the studio version. And as I recall from memory, man, it's just a, a great version of it, you know, like every song on here, I think it's a great version of every song. Right? Yeah, absolutely, especially Randy's guitar tone. I just think Randy's uh, tone is just, just it's superior. It's, you can tell he's had more time to work out the, the you know, the bugs or whatever. And there's a lot of just phrasing he does in and out, like little licks and things that he didn't do on the studio version. That's throughout the whole album, though. It's just to me, whenever, whenever, when I first heard that, I was like, had been into music maybe like a year, had a guitar, was collecting dust. Um, but I heard that and I was like, it's time to get serious. I want a guitar teacher. I want to know how to do this. So this, like, that... This album is so nostalgic to me because it was like the gateway to me for wanting to basically be the best guitarist I could possibly be. Before that, I was just more like, I just didn't take it serious. I was into video games, etc., etc. But I love the the crowd at the beginning. I love whenever you can tell when they walk on stage from the screams. Like you, you can just kind of visualize it. Ralph, you were there, so you would have a better perspective. But uh, yeah. when the guitar kicks in, it just sounds like a fucking chainsaw. Especially for that era. Just that the pick attack is so harsh compared to the studio version. I mean, when you listen to that intro riff of I Don't Know a Blizzard of Oz compared to the live version, it's just so much more in your face and more aggressive live. 
Let me let me ask you this, because I, I you know, because I don't, I'm not, I'm not a musician. I may be in a band, but I'm not a musician. I've I've heard people a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but a few people say that Randy's tone was terrible. Was it because of the Blizzard Oz recording? Is, um, is there a different it, tone, is there a different tone uh, on on that than there is on the tribute album? I think it was partially the production of Blizzard is part of his bad tone is really just the production. But I would think he had just he had just joined Ozzy. How much had he ever really played with him? You know, the first time he really played with Ozzy was what less than a month before they started Blizzard. So he probably hadn't worked out all the little, you know, the bells and whistles yet. And I think by the time Tribute comes along, you know, you're talking however many months or a year later, he know everything's worked out. He's had time to tweak everything. That would be my just assumption. But and and Ian, uh, that that is the Blizzard of Oz tour, right? That recording that was recorded during the Blizzard of Oz, right? Uh, let's well, see, May 11th of '81. Yeah, uh, that, that was Blizzard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, because that, I don't think Diary came out until towards the end of '81. It came. It came out during. I remember vividly. It came out during Halloween, or the Halloween time around Halloween time. Uh, Diary yeah, yes. came out. That that was uh, that was uh, the Blizzard tour. Yeah, because if you check, I, I I remember vividly around Halloween going to Specs in uh, Hialeah and seeing you know Diary. You know, this is pre-internet. And even magazines didn't say when she was coming out. And I walked into Specs and was like, oh, man. And Ozzy Osbourne album. It was Halloween time. And I was like, oh, there's a new album. And, uh, and yeah, so that was way after the fact. Though, even the show I saw, did they did play Believer. And, and uh, uh, what was the other one? Flying High again. But that's it. That's the only two songs, which I, I think I've said this before. I was going to see the Diary of Mad Mentor open for Foreigner of all bands. Uh, at the Orange Bowl, and yeah, my buddy had tickets for that. Yeah, me too. I actually even ended up going, but Randy Rhodes died the day before that show, or maybe it was a day or two. Wow! And Pat Travers took his place, and UFO was on the lineup. That show ended at 6 p.m. with not one mention of uh, of Randy's death by anybody up on stage. And there was a guy outside uh, selling T-shirts, and he had a Diary of Madman long sleeve. And dude, this is what, 82? I gave him 20 bucks. 20 bucks in 82. Wow. To take that, and he took that shirt off his back and gave it to me. I said, dude, I'll give you 20 bucks for that shirt. That's, that's, like, that's probably that's probably double what they were going for yeah, back then, huh? Yeah, yeah, no. I, a, 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 even a long sleeve was maybe like eight, 10 bucks. You know, and right. the other ones were like seven bucks, like a regular concert shirt. I offered him right. a dollar. <laughs> You know, at first, like, man, would you sell? He's like, no, no, I don't want to. No, I can't. I go, dude, I'll give you 20 bucks. He's like, here you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I just wanted to bring up the uh, the Blizzard of Oz tour was September 12, 1980 through September 13, 1981. And that Southampton show, that Goodbye to Romance and No Bones movies on, that is Southampton in England. And that's also where the Mr. Crowley live EP was recorded. That ah, same show. Interesting. Which uh, you said it all was actually a sound check. It wasn't yes. really live recorded. They just added yeah. live noises, but it was actually yeah. A sound I've read check. about that. Yeah, which is interesting. But yeah, and yeah, and like uh, Jacob said, yeah, those little riffs that he would do, like you know, little new little things he'd do in between, like riffs, 
It's just so right. cool. It's it's all over the album. Just licks like as as the album goes, it just gets more and more like just look at the intro of Crazy Train. Right, yeah. Which was totally different, you know. And, and I think, you know, even the Randy Rhodes nut swingers would have to admit that uh, you know, his playing definitely changed and evolved from going to Quiet Riot to Ozzy. Because you listen to those early Quiet Riot albums, there's nothing that like sticks out at me as like, oh wow, what a guitar hero, you know? Oh yeah, yeah no, I I agree. I mean, he was still evolving, all the, and he was evolving when he was when his life was cut short. I mean, no one's ever gonna know what he would have actually his full potential would have been because it wasn't ever achieved. Right. But you can see such a drastic change in his playing, even from Blizzard Diary, like it was even more refined and like. Dude, I mean, listen to the title track, Diary of Man, man. That's like, I mean, geez, you know, that whole instrument, instrumental part and what he was doing throughout that song. It was just leaps and bounds what he did on uh, Blizzard of Oz. And to think that Randy Rhodes was not happy, that Diary of a Man, man, he wasn't really happy with it because he didn't get the finish. Imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't. He, he was very bummed that they were. You know, they had to do the American tour, so that's it. That's enough, and they just left it as is. And he really wished he could have finished it, which is amazing. I mean, I mean, come on, how perfect can that album be? You know? Yeah, some guys are like that. They just. I mean, I've been guilty of it in my own stuff, but eventually, you just have to walk away and except whatever you got. But yeah, but I that, know what you're talking about. Yeah, but that was the problem. He didn't actually have a chance to walk away. They forced, Exactly, that's horrible. Yeah, they forced it to stop, you know? So mm-hmm. That's mind-blowing that he, he could have improved it, he thought, you know? But anyway, yeah, so Ian, what do you think of the, I don't know? <clears throat> I love it. I think Randy shines on it, and it is a great opener. Uh, yeah, I think there's only one other song that's on this that I think is a better opener. But uh, I, I, I love Don't Know. It's one of those ones that I never get sick of. And, you know, there, there's a there's a few, more so on Blizzard, uh, you know, which the album's from, but, you know, that I just, man, I never want to hear again. But I don't know. As many times as I've heard it, uh, I'm always excited when, when Ozzy would play it. You know, it never, never any, you know, <coughs> oh, God, not this one. And there's so much stuff in in his set list that, that are like that just because his set list never fucking changes for the most part but it kicks ass and, and Randy does shine on this and whatever I believe Max Norman did this as well who was the original producer on those two albums uh, man you can tell he really put the emphasis, emphasis on Randy and it, it's so bright and shiny in the mix just like what, what Jake was saying uh, man just right to the forefront and kicks ass love it killer man so uh jacob why don't you take crazy train cool uh i think this version is beyond superior to the original in my opinion but again i heard all this first as a matter of fact one of the first times i ever jammed with a band less they were we were talking about songs we know they, somebody said crazy train one two three four i kick it off they're they asking me like why do you keep coming in early what the hell are you doing why are you playing a solo i'm like what the fuck are you talking about that's how it goes the guy pulls out Blizzard of Oz on a cassette. I had never heard it. And I was like, what? What is this? Where's, why is the guitar coming in so late? You know? And so, again, I just think, just in my opinion, so much better than the Blizzard version. And uh, 
that's the only one though that I kind of I would say is worn has been kind of overplayed for obvious reasons it's obviously the popular track on the album but I mean I definitely come back to it and anytime if I'm ever wanting to play it that's probably how I'm going to do it I'm going to right off the bat one two three four everybody at once you know and you know a little footnote on Crazy Train that intro to it is back from the Quiet Riot days. It wasn't record. Mm-hmm. It wasn't recorded. <clears throat> Excuse me. It wasn't recorded. Uh, but it is on that Star Wars pro shot when he does his little solo. There's a part where the drum goes dun 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 dun. dun. They do that whole thing. And that, yeah. There's a lot of things that were brought from that live recording at the Star Wars, like Goodbye to Romance, and uh, I know there's a uh, the solo to Looking at You, Looking at Me was a solo on one of those live quiet ride songs that was never recorded i can't remember what song that was now though but uh, there's some yeah there's some quiet riot out song on either quiet riot one or two that the verse riff is the same riff as suicide solution but i can't recall the song oh wow title. and all this time i thought it was bob daisley that wrote all that <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah what can i say uh the only complaint i have about crazy train is that terrible video man what was the thing with that hair dude but uh, <laughs> it, it, even back then, it would bother me. It was like, what is up with that hair, dude? But other than that, man, that video rules with all the, you know, pictures and the after-hours footage. That was so, yeah, that, so sought that's, after. That's what made me want to play guitar right there. I saw that video. Like, when that video it probably was, in, was new and in heavy rotation, I, that's when I would start begging my mom for a guitar. Please, let me get a guitar. Let me get a guitar. Let me get a guitar. Um, so I guess that was actually, now that I come to think about it, that was possibly the first thing I ever heard by Ozzy. Yeah. You know, and, uh, or saw that, that, and I want to talk about that after hours footage, um, back then I say between the, the years of, you know, 81, whatever Blizzard came out up to, I'd say it was either 88 or 89. No, maybe even a little, little earlier. Like, yeah, it was probably earlier, like '86 or '87. Uh, nobody knew what Randy Rhodes looked like on video. We only saw him on pictures. And it was a friend of mine that said, "I have a Randy Rhodes video with Ozzy," and I was like, "No, you don't. That, that doesn't exist. There's no such thing." And he goes, "I do." So I went to his house, and it was the most crappy generational thing you can ever. It was so glitchy so terrible for years and i looked at that religiously that crappy generational copy of this after hours footage and i may still have it somewhere but it wasn't until much later you got a nice crisp copy of it and that's how it was back in the bootleg days in the bootleg Mm -hmm. days if somebody got something so holy grail like a randy Rhodes, like that what people would do would they would like record over and on different tapes over like They'd spend hours and hours to make it look real shitty so they can have the pristine copy. You know, that was a shitty part of being into bootlegging back then. If you found something rare in the beginning, like Merciful Fate was another one that I got back then. It looked really shitty. Then later on, I found a pristine copy of it. But yeah, for years, I'd say like for at least 10 years or even more, it wasn't until my buddy found a Japanese copy. There's a, a Japanese bootleg DVD. I mean, the first time I ever saw a good copy was when the DVDs already came in. And uh, it's now you can see really good footage. Like, like if you look at the tribute footage 
I mean, the, the crazy train footage. That shit looks amazing. I remember looking at it back then going, oh my God, there's a really good copy out there somewhere. You know, but I didn't, it took me like another 10, 15 years to actually see a good copy of it, you know? But yeah, yeah I, I love it. Ian? Um, yeah, man, I remember this was played nonstop on Headbangers Ball. Holy shit, did they play the fuck out of it. Uh, this one is just hard for me to to give an objective opinion just because I am so fucking burned out on the song. Uh, I admit it's it's a good song, but man, it's it's really almost like nails on a chalkboard. Even live for me, I don't feel the fucking magic. I mean, maybe if I saw it with Randy, is the only way I could get excited, and that's not possible. So, uh, did you like man, it? I, did you like it when Iron Maiden ripped it off and put in that section of Seven Sons? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I did at the time. Yeah, okay. But 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 oh man. Uh, I, I I don't know. It, it, it's a classic. I get why people love it, but man, the couple times I played this, getting ready for the review, I was like, "Oh, when's this gonna be over?" So it was really hard for me to sit there and like, "Oh yeah, this is the definitive version," just because I mean, I mean, it'd be like being forced to hear rock and roll all night. You know, it's like right. I just, I, yeah, no, it's I, definitely I, overplayed. Yeah, but I I, I mean. I like most songs that are overplayed. It's overplayed for a reason because it's a great catchy song, but it's just it's it's dead to me. But uh, yeah, uh, the the way it starts out on tribute, I think is is the way I hear it in my head now, uh, mm -hmm. more more so than the Blizzard version. Uh, and yeah, that was that's one bad hat, Harry. That's one bad hairdo, Ozzy. Holy mackerel, is that bad? That was a decline uh, of Western civilization. Haircut. Yeah, yeah. 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 He, he looked like somebody off designing women. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. It's total chick '80s haircut. But, uh, but no. As far as the song, man. Yeah, Ozzy, Ozzy shines on it. It's just, man. I couldn't wait for the next song because the next song is tied with my favorite Ozzy solo song of all time. My two favorites, and it, it, it's hard to pick one between Believer and uh, the title track, "The Diary of a Madman." Uh, this is one, oh my God, when this is played live, uh, I, I just, I love that, that bass intro, uh, but man, Randy fucking is on fire on this, and, and Ozzy's on fire too, and the whole band sounds amazing on this track, <coughs> and, uh, this is another one, like, I don't know, that I never want to see drop out of the set list, and as many times as I've heard it, always sounds fresh, uh, and I, I can take this version or the studio version because I love them both on Believer. Uh, but I do not think, even though this is my favorite actual song on the album, I uh, I think there's one where Randy's even better on this album. But but this this is a great version and I absolutely love the track. What do you think, Jake? This is my favorite track on the album as well. I, uh, yeah, I basically everything you just said i mean i love the studio version because it's not blizzard and there's nothing wrong with the diary production the uh of course the live version is i prefer but yeah this is definitely my favorite track and uh the guitar solo is a little different you can tell he was improving a little bit and uh my favorite part i'm not trying to get all technical with guitar geek talk but right at the end of the solo he does this big like legato run 
get chills every time I hear it. Well, Jacob, we, we would definitely welcome that because we don't have like geeky guitar talk on our podcast and we like to throw in new elements. Well, cool. So, cool. So I, th- I have a so, whole so, lot to that to offer. Yeah, so throw out those <laughs> big ass science words you know, when you talk about like, what was that, Magato run? <laughs> <laughs> Legato, yeah. But uh, that, that's Don't what you hear at the run. end of the solo. <laughs> yeah. And Randy, he did a shitload of Legato and it was awesome. That sounds like but a yep. tasty Italian dish. It is an Italian word. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's hard for me to pick my all-time favorite Randy Rhodes guitar solo. So it's like a four-way tie, and this would be one of them. You know, I would have to put, like, Mr. Crowley, um, uh, Over the Mountain, and uh, this one. And I'm sure there's another one I can't think of at the moment. S-A-T-O, maybe. Um, like, but th- it's such a... Sh- this song, I, I'll never forget the first time. I, the first time I ever heard it was live, because you know back then we're gonna play a song off our next album, and I, the the first impression I got when I saw it live, I was thinking of Black Sabbath. I was like, this sounds very Sabbathy, and I still think it does. Um, I mean, considering you know the, the the two first Ozzy albums, it didn't really have that much of a Black Sabbath vibe to it. But this one did. This one was the closest to Black Sabbath of all the uh, Ozzy songs from the first two albums. And uh, what can I say? It's, it is a fucking classic, you know. And I got to listen to uh, Domo Arigato run because I, I don't remember that. You know? <laughs> now I got to put on tribute again and see the difference, you know. But uh, yeah, it's great. It's an amazing track. And, uh, and I'm, glad I, I'm glad I got to witness Randy do this. And I also, and I know I said it before, but... I was right in front of Randy. That's how I saw the show, you know? That's then, awesome. Yeah, I snuck up, and I was in front of Pete Willis and then Randy Rhodes. I mean, I wanted to get in front of Ozzy, to tell you the truth, because, you know, Black Sabbath is my favorite band. But boy, in retrospect, thank God I didn't push my way toward Ozzy, you know? I was yeah. smack in front of Randy Rhodes the whole night. And one thing I can say about Randy Rhodes was I would I would tell people this, because everybody, even in video, I, I, I don't see it as much as I saw it that night when I saw live, because... Uh, when you look at Randy Rhodes in, uh, in pictures, I'm talking about back in the day before that After Hours came out. A lot of people thought of Randy Rhodes as like this timid, mellow dude. I mean, that crank, but he was this little guy. But live, he was really crazy. And I remember he would, like, I should have brought this up while we were talking about I don't know. The one thing I vividly remember when they came out, and Randy, like, grabbed the headstock of his guitar and like with the palm of his hand, he would like bend that neck to get that sound that yeah. you would usually get on a whammy bar. A whammy bar. And yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I've never seen somebody do that before. Back, you know, I've seen it a million times afterwards. But he was the first one I saw that do that. Yeah, like, you know, it's like God damn. And I, you know, and he was such a small, little, skinny guy. I mean that, and and he opened up. I don't know with that cream Les Paul he has, and it was. Uh-huh. I mean that that Les Paul looked just too big for him. And yet he like <laughs> he manhandled it. He made it its bitch, you know. <laughs> it was just amazing. It was just unbelievable uh, to see that guy perform live. And he was very animated live, you know. Like you know, he would like run around and like from the speaker to the front of the stage and just and rip and headbang. And it was, he was very very animated. I've never seen footage of Randy as animated as he was that night, but I'm sure. If you can, uh, if there was more footage, uh, you'd find him like he—he he was 
Because, you know, uh, the, the box set that Ian was talking about that goes for $300 now brings a DVD of uh, somebody that, uh, it was a roadie or something, that shot it from the front row, that tour. And Randy was still, yeah, he, he at moments he was like what I remember. But for the most part, he wasn't, you know? So there was just something special yeah. about Randy the night I saw him. He was a little more, I don't know, maybe it was a little later in the tour. I got to look at my tickets, though. I believe it was in August. I know it was after summer, because I remember, oh, that's a whole other story. Uh, a 30-something-year-old chick took me to that show that I was having sex with since I was 13. That's a whole other story. <laughs> that took my wow. virginity. She bought me tickets <laughs> to see that. And to this day, I still have the tour book. All right. Nice. So uh, we all talked about Believer, right? Yes, sir. Right. What's next? Mr. Crowley. Mm. Mr. Crowley. What a... Um, this was the one song when I fought Blizzard Laws and I put on side two and I listened to when that solo kicked in. You know, I guess I'm I'm reviewing more of the studio version than this. But that solo that was a really... It, like, just took me back. I was like, wow, listen to that, man. Who is this guy, you know? And, yeah, I do remember the... Wasn't Ozzy yelling a lot during the keyboards before it started? Wasn't he saying stuff? Yeah. yeah. I think he does throughout the whole album. He, you know, any, any time he's not having to actually sing, he, he's yelling all different things to everybody. Yeah. It was just phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, it was great. What can I say? It was a, it's, a, it's an amazing version on here. Um, better than the Mr. Crowley um, EP, I would say. Which is good, but I don't know. I, I think that whole EP is probably a sound check. Doesn't really sound that alive to me. That's what I've read. Yeah, I think it is. I know you said it all is, but yeah, I love it. I love Mr. Crowley. Always will, always. And, and I never get burnt out on it. Always a mainstay, and uh, I just love it. That eerie keyboard intro. Is that Don Airy on uh, Tribute? No, I'm, uh, it's L Lindsey Bridgewater. Lee Gertzman? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I never even heard that. What's that name again? Lindsey Bridgewater. Never heard of him, man. <laughs> That's weird. I don't know if the night I saw him was Don Airy or not. Because I, I believe when I saw Blizzard of Oz, he was off stage, the, the keyboardist. As far as I can uh, remember. All yeah, right. I'm not sure. All right, so you, uh, take take uh, Mr. Crowley, Ian. Uh, another one, it's a good song. I'm just, I'm sick of, I'm sick of. But like I said, uh, Believer is my favorite song on the album, but it's not my favorite track. This would be my favorite track. This is one I was really taken back by today when I was listening to it. I was like, Holy, I was like, oh, fuck, Crowley's next. Sick of this fucking song. And then, man, when I heard Randy's performance on this, I think this is the best Randy performance on the whole fucking album by far. I mean, he really shines on this. And <coughs> and I'm saying it took a lot for, for a song I would skip any time now. If I was listening to Blizzard, I'd, sk I'd skip this song. But, oh, my, I was just taken back by how amazing his guitar was on this, you know, and, and not just the solo, but the whole fucking song. But I do prefer uh, the, the solo on this, I think, is even better 
than Suicide, which has his actual solo solo in it. I think it's it's better on Crowley. And, and just a prime example of how great he was because it, it took a song that I don't want to hear and made me look at it with, with you know, new eyes again. You know, and that's why uh, I think it's the best. I want to say a funny story, Jacob, before you tell, me, tell us what you think. Uh, of a recent Zach Wilde interview. I don't know if you guys saw this. It cracked me up. Zach Wilde got a big painting of Aleister Crowley. And Ozzy came over to his house and he saw the painting and he's like, who's that? And he's like, <laughs> and he's like that's that's Mr. Crowley. And Ozzy looked at it and he goes, oh, that's what the cunt looks like, huh? <laughs> he never no, even knew what he that. looked like the whole time. So there you go. I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's on YouTube somewhere. I can't remember where I saw it. But yeah, Zach Wilde told the story like that. Oh, and, and just to let you know, Ralph, it was Lindsey Bridgewater who played keyboards on the tour as well, on both the European and North American leg of the tour. Who? <laughs> exactly. Lindsey Buckingham? Yes, Lindsey Buckingham. <laughs> wow. So Don Irie, or Airy, I'm sure I just butchered his last name, he must have been on the Diary Tour then. Yeah, he the was. One with the, the big theater and all that, yeah, the he was theater the guy, setting. Yeah, he was the guy perched up. You know, he was... He, he was... Uh, he, he was uh, on the plane. He, he, you know, when Randy got on the plane, it already took one test run. Don Airy was on it, and it came down, and then Randy got on it. I yes. remember that now. Yeah, I read Rudy Sarzo's book, I think Off the Rails, yeah. I think it's called. And, I remember him saying that. And uh, Rudy was tired, and, and Randy was asking him, come on, come on. And he's like, nah. And it yeah. was very re- weird because Randy was afraid of heights, and it was strange how he got on that plane. It's a very weird situation. But yeah, there you go. Yeah, it was Don uh, on the diary tour. Well, it, it was it was on the the North American leg. Lindsay, uh, the first leg of the tour started in Europe, and then Lindsay Bridgewater quit after that, and they got Don Airy. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder where yes. Bridgewater is now. Gee, ain't it weird how I've never heard of this guy being such an Aussie geek? You know, I've never heard of this. Guy. Strange. Yeah. Don I wonder if he's the guy in the, you, you know, in the after hours footage, it shows some other guy playing You're keyboard. Right. I wonder if that's You're him. You're right. That's right. The guy wearing the the Blizzard of Oz shirt, which yeah. I used to own that shirt with the little crosses on the back with the states. That's the shirt I used to own back then. And, you know, and also that Dire Man Man shirt I was talking about, that shit's long gone. That shirt was uh, the picture of the inner sleeve where they're sitting in, in Disney World on the stairs. That was the front of the, that was the front of the shirt. But uh, yeah, it must be that guy because I don't think they had more than two keyboard players back then. I don't think they could afford it. You know, actually. I think what happened with Don Airy, Don Airy played on the album though, right? Uh, and he played on he played on Blizzard, yeah. Yeah, I think what happened was Don Airy at that time went to Rainbow because honestly, Rainbow was making more money at that time. Right? Yeah, yeah, he was he was in Rainbow, which oddly enough, uh, Richie Blackmore. Um, didn't want nothing to do with that guy that that flew that plane with, that killed Randy. He was supposed to be their bus driver. And Richie Blackmore said, no, no I don't want this dude. I, I remember that from a Joel and Turner interview on that metal show. Anyway, so, yeah, so what's next? Oh, the, oh no, no, wait. Uh, Jacob, yeah. tell, tell us about Mr. Tyler. Oh, just all I have to say about this, pretty much everything Ian said. I mean, it's it's... Randy really shines on it. It's probably my second favorite track, just right behind Believer, but I mean, it, it's close. But you can just tell that Randy had even evolved since the recording of Blizzard. Like, he was an even 
not that he's any slack on Blizzard, but he just sounds like his technique is even more polished by this point. Like, he was definitely, this is a prime example of how you can see from Blizzard to Tribute, Randy was still in a growth as a guitar player stage that, for obvious reasons, you know, never reached its peak. But, yeah, pretty much what Ian said. Yeah, I think the reason Randy did grow so much in that short period of time is because they tore their ass off at that time. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a lot of touring, a lot of fucking touring, the Blizzard tour. And, you know, there was really no breaks. Her diary. I mean, they went right back, you know. Uh, and, and and he was forced to play a heavier brand of rock than what he was as well, you know. Yeah, because his playing is a lot more aggressive with Ozzy than it was in Quiet Riot. Yeah, for right. sure. Definitely. Definitely. But mm-hmm. an example of you, you hear people say there's no soul and shred. An example of how that's absolute bullshit. And I wrote this down just to pinpoint it. If you go to the live version of Mr. Crowley on Tribute at 3.36, 3 minutes, 36 seconds, there's a lick during the second verse Randy phrases in that is not the same as Blizzard. Blizzard, he just does some kind of random run. On this, he just does, it's not a lot of notes, but it's just, it just reeks of like heart and soul. It's just like a bend. It kind of reminds me of sort of what Marty Friedman would later become, kind of sound. But, um... I mean, I'm sure you just have to pinpoint it. Just the next time you hear it, go to 336. You'll see what I'm talking about. And anybody who ever says, oh, Shredder guys have no soul, that proves that's bullshit. I mean, there's there's tons of uh, proof from several guitars, but that's one of many. Yeah, uh, Gary Moore is another good example. That oh, guy, yeah, that guy could shred, but boy, he could be so tasteful at the same time. It's ironic you bring him up. That was Ozzy's first choice over yeah, Randy. That's true. And and mm-hmm. uh, Gary said he didn't want to do it. Like he mm-hmm. just he just got out of Thin Lizzy and he was like kind of sick of the whole thing of being dealing with an alcoholic Phil, Phil to go to another alcoholic. He said, "Fuck that." And you know, and and believe it or not, Blackmore was also considered. And Blackmore was interested. Actually, I never knew that. Yeah, Blackmore yeah. In, in many interviews has said that he lo- he thinks that Ozzy has the way he put it, the perfect pop voice, which is strange, you know. Oh, and I, I, I could have I pictured those two together. Oh, can you imagine oh. that? Oh, that yeah, would have been, been a nightmare. It would have been like down to earth. <laughs> it would have been like, no, and imagine, you know, I'm not going to be in a band called Blizzard of Oz. You know, it's going to be called, <laughs> yeah. you know, Richie Blackmore, and, you know, you're going to be yeah, my singer. It, it, Exactly. It would have been called Richie of Blackmore. Yeah. The Blizzard of Blackmore. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So what's next after that one? Next one is Flying High Again. Keep now, on smoking th- them joints. Th- See, I remember that. Yeah. Right. Everybody get high. Yeah. Um, now, this is one. I love this song, but I got to say, I prefer the studio uh, to this one. Because this one to me, really, this is the it doesn't add anything to me. It's it's just a, a version of Flying High, and uh, I'll take the studio one on this one. It's not bad. It's just nothing special to me. And and I love this song, so I'll I'll take the studio on this one. What do you think, Jake? I like this song. I don't love it, and that it's not uh, anything to do with tribute. Uh, the, I'd say the same thing about the Diary version. Um, it's not one of my favorites. There's no Randy songs I dislike, but it's it's down the ladder for me. I don't know. It's never it's never caught my ears the way so many others have. I prefer the the live version though. Uh, 
over the studio. And again, it goes back to if you listen to the main differences, Randy is consistently experimenting with uh, phrasing licks during verses that he never did in the studio for whatever reason. Like that's uh, a lot of people would say he's noodling around. Uh, some people would even call it overplaying, but I love it. But um, pretty much that's my take on on flying high. Like it, but I, I've never loved that song in general. Uh, I, I love it. I, I love this song. I always loved it. I think this is one of those songs that could have been overplayed too, like Crazy Train. It has all the elements of, you know, like a hit. And it was a single, because I remember hearing this a lot back then on the radio. And it was like a good party song, and that whole Mama's Gonna Worry, I've been a bad, bad boy. I, I, you know, many a party, many a drunken parties in the 80s, uh, you know, we're all fucking battling that song. It's a good party tune, and it's a great song, and, uh, I would prefer the studio version, but I, I again, man, I should have done my little research because now you know, with all this uh, Mandocello phrasings uh, <laughs> that that, that uh, you know, Domo Arigatos and all that shit, I should have listened to this again. You know? Yeah, yeah. Didn't you learn your lesson with the Dream Theater review? You got to listen to these records. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I did listen to the Dream Theater one though. Right. Uh, you just didn't track it. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, I, I didn't know what song was what. Because <laughs> it all bled into each other. And I've always felt that way. I was like, oh, really? That's that song? You know? <laughs> but, uh, no, this one, but but still, I am. I do remember the live album. But now that, you know, Jacob's bringing up all these little runs he does during verses, it's like, I know Randy did that a lot. But I would just love to, like, now I want to listen to this album again, you know? And you know what? It's fucked up. I was going to listen to it, but it wasn't in my iPod. And I was like, why is it tribute in my iPod? It's fucking stupid. Because I always do my You have listening. this poster in your living room, don't you, Ralph? Yes, I do. You're right. Yeah, and I I'm, noticed I'm, in a lot of your, your videos, I see it. I'm right in front of it right now. It's placed smack in front of me. That's true. I do have it. And that's my favorite uh, picture of Randy. I always have it. And that, that cover, that's another thing I want to bring up. That picture on the cover came out. There's a real strange thing about that picture. Number one, it came out on Circus Magazine when Randy was still alive. It's a Circus Magazine where it has uh, Ozzy on the cover in a tutu. I don't know if you guys remember that. But that yeah. picture is a full-page picture, black and white, of that same picture. And I always considered that the coolest picture of and, Randy, you know? And, and that picture was taken in Chicago, Chicago. at, the, Rose, at and, the Rosemont Horizon. And now, now I'm going to blow your mind even more. There is a bootleg video of... Uh, of that and when you look during Mr. Crowley when Ozzy does pick up Randy you see the bulbs flashing right up yeah. front so you can see oh. actual video of when that picture was taken oh wow Cause when, yeah uh, I've seen that if, if you look at it closely when when Ozzy picks him up if you look at the cover like uh, the, the leg that Ozzy's holding kind of like shifts a little inwards that's when the picture was shot you know, and it caught it right there. So yeah, that's pretty wild. Uh, and and it's it is filmed from like the nosebleed, but you can still make it out really good. Like when he picks him up, and when his right when mm -hmm. his fucking leg moves, you see the, the the shot. And yeah, tell me I'm not an Aussie geek. I, I I gotta tell you though, man, if I was Randy Rhodes, I'd be scared shitless to have Ozzy pick me up. <laughs> just just imagine how fucked up Ozzy was back then. Yeah. And how you know little Randy is, and he's this guitar god. I mean, if Ozzy drops him and he breaks his fucking arm, you're fucked, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
Like, oh True. my god, I don't I don't know if I'd let Ozzy <laughs> pick up my pick up a pack of smokes. I'd be afraid he'd drop it and step on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's shit. Well, well, at least he only picked up Randy. He always, well, with Jake, why did he always pull his hair and drag him by his scalp? And you know what? You, I, I, you know what? I copied Ozzy doing that. I mean, uh, <laughs> Josh, my bass player, tell you, remember when we played live, I used to grab Ryan by the hair during television? I do that and I fucking, like, I fuck him up. I used to do it to Willie, but with Willie, I would actually physically hurt him. I kind of like, like Ryan more. I would grab Willie, just fuck him up, and then after the show, he'd be like, dude, don't be so rough next time. I was like, I'm sorry, dude, you're a dick. <laughs> I like to take my anger out of you in front of people. But yeah, I totally ripped that off from Ozzy. I grabbed his, I gra I would grab my guitar player's hair and just shake it like crazy, you know? But uh, yeah, and it's a good thing I remembered about that Chicago show, that, that little little tidbit, because not a lot of people talk about that. That, that, that infamous picture was actually this video of it being shot. You know? But, you know, I have video of you grabbing Willie, and you can see in the video he gets a heart on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. A lot of people don't know that. But, but if you look, it, it's real small, but yeah, you see it. Yeah, I know. I saw it. That's why I kept yanking it. I, I was trying to make it go away. <laughs> I was trying to make the pain, like, make that, that little dick go away. Anyway, yeah. So what's after this? We talk, We all talked about flying high? Yeah. Uh, yes. Next is Revelation Mother Earth. Oh my God. Uh, one thing I do remember is like you know, Genius Ian here hates this song. Oh my, this this song is so fucking epic and so beautifully done, and it, to me it's like a masterpiece. And uh, just the whole everything about this fucking song, I I adore. The mellowness, the lyrics, the the little classical piano in the middle and then Randy come in with that fucking monstrous guitar solo and that monstrous riff before the solo. Yeah. It's almost like a thrash riff, like, gang, 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 you know? And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. I absolutely love Revelations Mother Earth. One of the, one of my favorite Ozzy songs, actually. I, if I was to pick my favorite song off of uh, Blizzard of Oz, it, it may... You know, it, it, it may be a combination of this and what it bleeds into. Those are my two favorite songs off that album. Yeah, there you go. That's what I think. All right. Jake, what do you think? I can say I agree with, with Ian and Ralph. I agree with Ian in the sense that all the mellow stuff, I like it. It, it's, it kind of reminds me of, like, uh, what Diary of a Madman <coughs> was to Diary of a Madman. But I don't really, really get into this song to the breakdown riff, like dun, 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 all that stuff, you know, and it starts getting heavier. And it just, it's like it just ascends, like something's coming and it's building, it's building. And then when everything drops out but the guitar, and it's that, like Ralph said, sort of like a, a precursor to thrash, sort of, that riff. To me, that is just fucking signature, signature Randy Rhodes. Then he comes in with that solo, and it's just, it's like it's just going up, it's building, it's building. And then at the end, the outro, it's just awesome. It's just, so I'm even guilty of putting that song on and skipping to that, like oh. searching through the CD player, oh, all through the clean part. I got to tell you something, now that you say that, I used to have a friend when we used to, he used to make mixtapes and he would mix it where the whole piano section was gone. You know, dan, 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 yeah. dan, 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 the whole piano. And I would say, dude, don't do that. Don't ever do that again. I mean, I like every, I like the whole song, but I don't love the song until it really starts building, until it starts leaning towards the heavy side. Yeah, and, and it that, just gets better. 
And it's like a locomotive so starting to roll. Oh, yeah, that's signature Randy Rhodes. I mean, that is like if somebody was to say, I've never heard Randy Rhodes, what's three solos you would mention or three songs? Revelation would definitely be one of the three. Yeah, he does this little part. It almost sounds almost Egyptian. That little, yes, that little I know exactly what you're talking oh, about. Oh, man, it's just so... It really does fucking... It hits me, man. It hits me, that, that solo. It's just... That's why Randy Rhodes is Randy Rhodes. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. people, you know, and I've, I'm sure you guys have seen this. A lot of people say, well, Randy Rhodes wouldn't be as big as he was if it wasn't for him dying. It's like, dude, listen to that and then tell me that, you idiot. Seriously. I, I often wonder, like, what he would have done if he, you know, wouldn't have died. I think he would have went into classical guitar, but I think yeah. he would have revisited. I think he would have, after four or five years of being a classical guitar player, and that whole community, I think he would have revisited his roots. <clears throat> he would have definitely been with Ozzy during one of those Zaz fests in the 90s. You know, they would, Sharon would have just given yeah. so much money, and it would have been kind of like a retro show. And Yeah, would, oh, absolutely. you know, people would be clamoring to see Randy Rhodes with Ozzy again. And, you know, another thing that, you know, because I was there at the time, Randy Rhodes was the talk before he died. I mean, right before he died, everybody was talking about Randy Rhodes. All my friends, Randy Rhodes this, Randy Rhodes that, especially when Diary came out. That's when everybody was like, you know, people would talk about Eddie Van Halen and Randy Rhodes in the same sentence. He was, you know, it was Eddie and Randy. Those were the two best guitar players at that time. And then when mm-hmm. he when he died, like a lot of people later on don't realize that. They feel like, oh, he's overrated because he died. No, he won best guitar player of the year right before he died. People, he was the buzz. You know, when you thought about, yeah. you know, and you know, you, and it, there's another thing. If you wanna, you, you have to look, you have to go back a bit. But Dave Mustaine, before while he was in Metallica, and I think this is on YouTube, uh, talking about Randy, you know how amazing he was. And I believe that may have been before he died or right around the time he died, because uh, Randy was like everybody was talking about Randy at the time, man. And yeah, shit like that. Revelations is a great example of why. He is in the in the stature of Randy Rhodes today. That fucking solo, you know, it's so like strategically perfect, you know. Yeah. Go into it, like, it, the build-up. It's kind of like you know the climax, you know, to make yeah. this song even better, you know. It's like a composition. Like I mean, some people would say that kind of. What I tell people who say, "Oh, that shit's a bunch of overplaying," blah 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 blah. I'm like, well. I don't think they're thinking from the terms of writing a song anymore. It's almost like a composition. You know, yeah. I mean, you could even compare it to classical music, more like a piece, at, that, at least at that point. <clears throat> oh, yeah, that's totally class. And that's where, I guess, uh, uh, Randy started getting that bug, because you do hear a lot of classical in that solo. It has this, yes. like classical feel to it. Just like Mr. Crowley has that classical feel, you know, to the solo. What do you think, Ian? Uh, uh, buzzkill. <clears throat> It, it's a piece, all right, a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, uh, no, uh, one thing I will say, uh, I, I, I hate to side with uh, with Sweaty Teddy, but if anybody came here to get mellow tonight, you can get the fuck on out. Uh, yeah, I don't really care for this song. That's no secret. But I will say while I was listening to this today, I like when, when you get that little bit of tempo change in the song right before the solo, and I do like this. I like that part of it. It's just the the mellowness of it. I mean, oh 
man, it, it, that does nothing for me. Uh, but the, the the solo's good. But but as far as the song, I just don't. I don't care for no power ballad Ozzy. You know, it just. I I want to hear. I don't know. Basically, when I hear Ozzy, I just want to hear Sabbath. But uh, you, you know, or you know, something like <laughs> Over the Mountain, something something like that. I. The ballad shit doesn't grab me at, at all. Uh, you know, I mean, it isn't the worst. I mean, this isn't like fucking see you on the other side shit. You know, but or my or or that song I love so tired. Oh God! Oh, that's fucking horrible. Ouch! Horrible. Ouch! My feelings. <laughs> Ian, Ian, which would you prefer, Revelation or Killer of Giants? Uh, neither one are my favorite. But I don't, I don't know. I, I think I'd take Killer John. <laughs> I read an interview where that was going to be the next album after Diary. Yes. It old... was, no, well, no, well, I don't know about that. But that Ultimate Sin was supposed to be called Killer Giant. Yeah, that that I knew they were supposed to call the album that. I read an interview uh, from uh, it was dated like late '81, a magazine I guess that's long out of print called Record Review. And Ozzy was saying his next album was probably going to be called Killer of Giants. Oh, Back, right. Obviously, I mean that just, that's not what happened. But well, I mean, he might he might have had the title, you know, he just yeah. liked the title, or maybe even it, the song, and it didn't didn't make the album. You know? Yeah, right. I guess they were just throwing that title around. But it's kind of cla- that has a classical intro, and I've always wondered. I, I, I'm right. sure if Randy wrote it, that would have already done leaked. That Jake didn't write that, but just kind of ironic and, and it's funny because Ian loves Ultimate Sin but he's not that big fan of the album I think that's one of the better songs on Ultimate Sin yeah I, I mean I, I would put Killer of Giants right there with like Thank God for the Bomb is probably my least favorite oh, song that on, song on I can't stand Nokia Nokia <laughs> Thank God for the Bomb with that little keyboard uh, in the background oh my god it grates on my nerves yeah oh man and I, I think I told you before in another review as much as I love ultimate sin and i remember watching that uh the, the video they used to show it on mtv all the time i went back and tried to re-watch it and oh my god the keyboards ruined every fucking every song not one song was like unfucked by the keyboards on that tour oh man well that even that rough. album is pretty much like that too though I, I don't know. I thought it sounded. I, I thought it sounded even worse on the on the live video because oh, yeah. they were so they, they were so upfront in the mix. I mean, they were really high in the mix. That live that video. video was hard for me to watch back yeah. then. Hard. But, uh, it was a hard watch. But yeah, as far as far as Revelation, uh, I, I did appreciate the solo on this, but uh, I, I liked that a lot more than the song. I, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it's kind of hard to fucking like not acknowledge how amazing that solo is oh yeah yeah no it, it was good i even like you know uh, I, I don't know the lyrics verbatim because it's not a favorite song but there's a part where he starts singing a little bit different you know i think it's right before the second chorus yeah the mother, that, yeah, yeah. Children, that part. yeah now, now that part where the song takes that little turn i love that a lot more than the intro i was noticing that when i was listening to it today it's like and if it was more like that, it just it, maybe it's the intro and his, and, and, his I, and his voice sounds so sick, like "Thieves and Ten Red." You know the way yeah, he phrases yeah, it is I, so I, so evil yeah, sounding. That, you know that I like. That I like. All right, so we all talked about Revelation, Mother Earth. But you can't so, have that song without the next one. Yeah, 
And, and man, when I'm looking at this live, I'm just thinking to myself, like with this song and the next song, is like, oh man, you couldn't pick another song. But then when I was paying attention to what songs recorded where, I was like, okay, maybe they went for that, you know, let's, let's represent a full concert vibe. Uh, because, man, I'm just thinking, oh, I'd much rather hear Over the Fucking Mountains or, or something else. Even though this is one of the ones that I don't uh, I don't mind on Blizzard, it's definitely not overplayed. So I'm not sick of it the way I am, you know, the, the, the more popular songs on Blizzard. But it's just like, oh, this is on there? And then with the drum solo. Yeah, now, that, I gotta, yeah that's fine. I, I, I gotta say... I actually don't mind the drum solo, but I'm thinking, if this is an album that's supposed to be a tribute to Randy, what what's this doing on there? Yeah. You, you know, they, they could have thrown on another Randy song. And I'll never forget, I saw Ozzy on uh, the No More Tears tour, and I love Randy Castillo as a drummer, but he did the longest fucking drum solo at that show, and it was the most boring fucking... I mean, oh my God, I went and took a piss got a beer, fucking all kinds of shit, and, and it was still going. I was like, good lord. It was so boring. Now, this, like I said, this drum solo is not too bad. I, I love uh, Tommy Aldridge. I think he's a great, very underrated drummer. But, uh... Alex Marquez, favorite drummer of all time. Oh, and, 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 and for good reason. I mean, he's very, very talented. And it, he's been on a lot more shit than probably most people uh, realize, too. He's played with a lot of people. But uh, what this is doing on the album, you know, I don't know. Like I said, I, the song's just okay to me. Uh, I don't hate it. But, again, this is the longest song on the fucking album. And, and it's because of the drum solo. It's supposed to be a tribute to Randy Rhodes. So I'm just kind of perplexed by this one. It's not horrible, but just why, you know? I agree. Uh, you... But eventually, uh, where, you know, you... If you look at any Tommy, if you go on on YouTube now and you look up Tommy Aldridge's drum solo, he does the same drum solo. The first time I saw him do this was with Pat Travers. I saw Ted Nugent, Pat Travers, and the Scorpions back in 1980. Screen Dream, Adam Among Activism, and Crash and Burn. And he did the same exact solo, but what was so cool about it was, you know, you hear how crazy he is, and then he throws the sticks, and then he does a solo with his hands. And you, can, right. you can still see it now because I saw him with Thin Lizzy, I saw him with White Snake, and every time I saw him, it was always the same solo. But it was always awesome. Tommy Aldridge is one of those guys that doesn't bore me with a drum solo because it's visually appealing. Right. That's like I said, nothing wrong with the drum solo, but why? Yeah. You know? Right. Well, what do you think? What do you think? Night, Jacob. I'm like the opposite of Ian. I fucking love this song and could care less about that fucking drum solo <laughs> I mean he's a, he's a great drummer I just I agree with you there it's like why is this on here it's it's I, I the only thing I can assume is they were like well we're trying to represent that era in general or tribute I mean not represent tribute that era in general I don't know I've wondered the same thing even as a young kid when I first heard this I was like why is this drum solo on here but I never I always skip that that's it you know I've, I haven't even heard that solo and years but i love still away the night i love how they connect i love how it uh goes from revelation straight into it i think it does that on the studio version as well doesn't it uh yeah yeah they, they both yeah. lead into each other yeah yeah no, I, I love that i think that's cool i love still away and i play that i think that's the ozzy song i play the most on my radio show 
Uh, I love Steel Away Tonight. That's the one I, uh, like I said, Revelation and Steel Away Tonight are my favorite songs on Blizzard. And, and yeah, man, I, to tell you the truth, I, I skipped that drum solo too. I mean, to me, like I said, it's visually awesome. It's one of those visual things. It's not something I want to sit down and listen to. Um, right. Yeah. No, no, nothing against Tommy Aldridge. I mean, he's excellent, but if yeah. I'm wanting to hear that album, I'm not going to go, let yeah. me hear the drummer's solo. You know? Yeah. You're listening to, it's, it's a Randy album. It's a tribute to Randy. You want to hear Randy, you know? And but, speaking of uh, guitar geek talk, my guitar teacher told me back in the day that this was the first time he had ever heard what's called a diminished scale played was Randy Rhodes on the Still Away the Night solo. So there's some more of that guitar geek shit. Diminished licks. D- diminished licks. Diminished solos, yeah. Like it's a. Uh, it's basically what's called a root flatted third flatted fifth. I'm gonna get real deep now. It's a sinister sound. If you if you heard that lick, the basically. If you heard the the solo on Still Away the Night in the part that sounds kind of almost Sabbath, like creepy, eerie, whatever, that's the diminished part. You know guitar geeks are listening to you right now masturbating. Awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. So, yeah. That's what I'm going for. What a great, great song. An amazing song. I love it. It's a great way to end that album. And, uh, yeah, I love it. So, is that the first disc or we're already on disc two uh that's the end of the first disc and i think also the reason that drum solo is on there is to fill up two albums you know you think about it because there wasn't really look there is and jacob would know this there is a soundboard for for uh diary of a madman and boy ian you think the keyboards are bad on that on the ultimate aussie uh this port this soundboard was like it really has the keyboards way too loud in the mix and I'm sure when you, because I saw live footage of it, you don't hear the keyboards that loud. I guess the way the soundboard was set up, it's like the keyboards make, the keyboards make fucking uh, Ultimate Ozzy sound like tribute, dude. Seriously. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's that wow. bad. And I believe, you don't, you never heard that one, Jacob? I'm not sure. I have it. I have it. I don't, re- I know it was in the States somewhere, maybe Denver. Or I can't remember exactly where, but it's a Diary of Madman full show soundboard. But it's really ruined by the keyboard. And I think that's probably why there's no Diary of a Madman era on here. And that's all you have. I mean, you think about it. The Blizzard of Oz tour, every song that's on here was on the Blizzard of Oz tour, including those two that was done in England. So, you know, the American tour didn't have those two songs. So in order to fill it, they threw in those two songs. Like, without that drum solo, it's like extremely short. And plus, well, we'll get into that later. What ends this album, which is kind of pointless to me as well, but <coughs> but it was long to fill up the album. It was just a necessity, and that's how I feel about that. But what starts uh, what starts this to? Suicide Solution. All right, Suicide Solution. Let me take this one. This one um, features Doug guitar solo, and this is like definitely a little studio uh, editing on this one because. The, the whole band stops and then Randy goes into the solo and that's not, that's not how it was. You know, Randy would go right into the solo with the band, you know, with like an open chord or the band, you know, Tommy hitting the cymbals while fucking Randy comes in and it just stops and it goes into this long solo. And uh, that, is the, that is the solo. That is the solo I saw. That is the solo on, uh, on King Biscuit Flower Hour. 
and it's one of, and it's one of those solos I've heard so much in my life, over and over and oh, you want to talk about being burnt out, but yet it doesn't burn me out. But I think I've heard that solo more than Crazy Train. I mean, I would play that constantly. The tribute version, the King Biscuit Flower Hour. Uh, I would just listen to that and everything about that solo. I guess it's because I witnessed it and to see it firsthand and how amazing it was to see this little guy. And I believe my 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 mind is a little foggy. Maybe Jake would know this. I believe he did it to the polka dot. Uh, Flying V, that solo. I think. I, I, I don't. Be. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure what guitar he was playing. Yeah, I think it was. You know, I, I just remember seeing it, but now I can't remember if it was that one or that other. Like, what was it? Like that tan Flying V thing he had. That other one that didn't have polka, polka dots. It wasn't even a perfect. It wasn't like. Uh, 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 yeah. Oh, he started that body style. You're talking about the Shark Tell Jackson? That one. It could have yeah. been. It could. It, it was either that one. Or the Flying V, one of those two, because there's actually no footage, no video footage of that guitar solo anyway. Yeah, you Randy, know. Randy actually designed that car, uh, that uh, guitar shape with uh, the shark, the guy who owns Charvel. Yeah, and which, again, you know, uh, before Randy died, there was a little article, and I still have that magazine, and I don't know if it, it's kind of a well-known picture. It's all, it's it's Randy, like leaning against the counter with his hand under his chin. And you see that guitar right next to him. And that, that was an article in a magazine about Randy Rhodes. You know, and uh, I mean, there was no, nothing like that back then. You know, like a guitar player, like, cause you know, Ozzy Osbourne was Ozzy Osbourne. You know, he was the main focal boy, biting the head off a bat and this and that, but there they had Randy Rhodes, you know, like, and, uh, but you know what? Now that I really think about it, I think it was that the polka dot he did the solo on. But then again, I could be wrong. But I love it, man. I love it. It's, it's to me, it's historic. It, it, it's kind of a big soundtrack to my uh, mid early teens to mid teens. Um, well, really mid teens. Uh, that solo, it's like iconic to me. I, I just love the hell out of it. And that's a, you know, it's a dying art. You know, guitar solos today are kind of like, in a way, kind of passe. You know, I remember uh, when I saw. Black Label open for Priest, how many people were complaining about Zach Wilde's guitar solo, because it was very long, but God, I was sitting there going, my God, this guy's a monster, it's so fucking good, you know? But a lot of people just don't like those long guitar solos anymore. But I love it, what do you think, Ian? Uh, not bad. <coughs> uh, this one, you know, uh, is about what and what with the, uh, with the studio version to me. I mean, like I said, I prefer the guitar solo that he does on Mr. Crowley on this album than the than the one on this. Uh, I mean, it's it's not horrible. Again, it's a song I burnt out on, so uh, I didn't listen to it the same as I did the others, and, and nothing really caught my ear. Like you know, Mr. The Mr. Crowley solo actually made me like stop, like huh? You know, where this one I was, it, it didn't grab me as much. Not not bad. It's just. Like I say again, it might be prejudice because of how burned out I am on the song. Isn't it what do you funny? Think? Isn't it funny that Ozzy was sued for the kid killing himself over this song, and Ozzy even had a press press conference saying that he wrote about Bon Scott and this and that, and then Bob Daisley later on comes out and says, "No, he didn't. I wrote this damn song." Where was Bob Daisley when that lawsuit was coming on? Oh, he was hiding. Yeah, yeah he, he never didn't took. Have it. 
He never took credit back then. He didn't have any money. <laughs> He's probably afraid. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, they're going to... No, 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 I didn't write this song. And then, all right, uh, Ozzy won the court case. Oh, actually, I did write the song. It makes you want... It makes me wonder. All right. Well, you know, I'm a Bob Hader. So what are you looking at? Right. The guy acts like he, he wrote fucking Randy's riff. You know, I was just reading a thing last night. It was an interview with Lee Kerslick. And uh, and he was talking about, you know, all the drama that's that's going on. And he said none of this shit started uh, in, until Sharon became the manager. I didn't know she wasn't the manager at first. For Blizzard of Oz, it was uh, it was his uh, the dad? Her brother. Oh, her brother. See, that I didn't know. I always thought it was Sharon the whole time. Yeah. Well, she yeah. was definitely the manager during Diary, though. Yeah, yeah, no, she was she was involved, but but the main thing, uh, the main job was her brother. But he he said he gave it to Sharon because he was so stressed out doing all the other shit for his dad. Because I guess he probably handled the more technical shit for all the bands that you know Don Arden uh, managed, like ELO and shit like that. You know, who, you know, were huge at the time still. Uh, so he just kind of passed it on over to Sharon around the Aussie time, and that's when. And shit went south real quick, right. uh, and and basically he said they were given no per diems whatsoever. Uh, you know, and then there was a the shit about doing the uh, two shows in one day shit that they said. You know, they stuck up for 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 Ozzy's sake. It's like, look, look, Ozzy can't handle this shit. You know, plus you're not paying us double to play pay twice. So, I, I believe those guys were fucked over, but. To the extent, and, and and some of you got to chalk up as, man, you just signed bad contracts, you know, and some of the shit you got to take, you know, credit for for yourself for either not being smart enough or, you know, being too desperate to, to handle shit the right way. Well, as I don't know if you saw this, but on his latest lawsuit, uh, the 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 Osborne camp did come out saying that Bob Daisley has received millions and millions of dollars in royalties for the past thirty years. I never knew that. And if, yeah. And tell me, this guy's so court hungry. If they were lying, he could have took them to court for that. You know. So I, I now I see that Bob Daisley has gotten paid for his uh, contribution. You know. And I think the right. reason the reason why Sharon did that total cunt move that I'm totally against of uh, you know adding all those other players and taking his tracks out was. Maybe she just got, like, dude, you're making all this money, and now you want more. Fuck you, you know? Uh, that well, This but... was the deal. And she, he made millions. I mean, how can you complain? And and also, they said that every time he got a royal check, they got proof that he cashed all those checks. And this is a guy that said he didn't make nothing. Right. You know, and, and I wouldn't even pretend to know all the logistics of it. I just think, since it's happened so many times with so many other people, I mean, with Jake E. Lee with uh, Phil Sousen or Susan, however you pronounce his last name. You know, she definitely pulls some shady shit. Of course. But, but you know, they might be... I'm sure they're making more than, than what they're, they're letting on, but they probably feel like they deserve yeah. uh, more. And, and, and whether they do or they don't, I don't know, because I don't know the specific Well, I, I didn't ask I you. I didn't ask you. Right. You get it? You, got, you see but, what I did there? Don't ask me. All right, it ain't that funny. 
<laughs> but, uh, you know, like even, even Lemmy says, you know, the, the two biggest checks he ever got was from No More Tears and from Metallica when they covered shit on the uh, Garage Inc. record. Those are the biggest royalty checks he ever got in his life. Yeah, he did say, He did say that Mama, I'm Coming Home, he made more money off that one song than he did the whole Motorhead discography. Wow. He, he did say that in, in an interview, I saw. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it was a huge song and a, and a big selling album, so he gets a percentage of that. Now, you know, I'm surprised. Lemmy's one person you never heard uh, complain about it, but, you know, Lemmy, Lemmy's been in the business so long, I'm sure... He had it. He made sure all his ducks were in a row before he handed it over. Either that, or he just didn't ask for that much. You know. Right. Well, he he. You saw how he lived. Kind of right. baller, you know, type guy. He but just, he wasn't really about the money. You know, and, and one thing, you know, for sure, you know, there's no way any of these other people can afford the type of lawyers that probably Ozzy. You know, and and we we shouldn't say Ozzy. Sharon have on their side as well so never underestimate that you yeah. know true true that all right so uh what what we go into after this okay now is when things get dark at least for, well did you talk about suicide jake uh no oh okay no. all right uh, <laughs> just, uh basically i think the guitar tone is much better on this just uh, it's just heavier sounding but I like the, I agree with you. I like the Crowley solo more than the live one. But when I think of this live solo, I think of uh, a lesson I learned when I was about 12 or 13 or 14 when I finally learned how to play it from a book I had, which was just because it impressed me and other guitar players and geek musicians, it wouldn't impress girls because I would learn it, get girls' phone numbers, play it for them over the phone and expect them to want to be, you know, me be their <laughs> boyfriend or whatever. And then they were pretty bored and would ask me, you know, can you play Don't Cry? And then when I would learn that, oh. it would work. You know, uh. they would be like, uh, well, can you play like Don't Cry? I'm like, oh, hold on, let me learn it. And I learned it and it was like magic then. So when I think of this solo, I just think about how much guitar solos bore women. Yeah, plus there's a lot of people who think Slash is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, James yeah, McCormick. I, I, I think Slash is good. He's just not as good as most think amounts of it, but he's not bad. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's, he's, he's not bad. He's not exceptional either, but he's, you know, he's good at what he does. He's no Randy. No. Yeah. No. He, he does, he does have a tone though. I'll give it that. He's got a sound, but. Yeah, he has a signature, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, now's where it starts to go south for me because I cannot stand when people fuck with the true master, Tony Iommi. And Iron Man's not the worst offense on this album. I think the next song is, is much more <coughs> offensive. But, man, nobody can do Tony Iommi like Tony Iommi. And so many people try, and, and I think even Randy's guilty of this. They, they try to, like, show you, yeah, yeah, he's Tony Iommi, but look what I can do. And I can't stand that shit. Yeah, I was just listening to an interview with uh, Fred Curry from Cinderella, and he's filled in for a couple different bands. And they asked uh, Eddie Trunk asked him, you know, do you ever, you know, change it up, make it your style? He goes, No, never. He goes, When I'm filling out, I want people to hear it just like how they hear it on the record, what they know. It's not about me; it's about the band, and 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 paying respect to 
what people know, what people love, what made the song what it was. And I wish people would do that when they, they do Black Sabbath. Do it right. Don't do it flashy. Just do it as it is. So, at, at any time, with any guitarist, I think Zach Wilde's just as guilty of this shit. Okay? Fucking uh, Tony Iommi does not do pinch harmonics, goddammit. <laughs> you know? When you're doing Black Sabbath, you do it like the fucking maestro does it, you know? And it, my, my opinion, what I want to hear, I, I just find it very disrespectful and showboaty uh, to fuck with perfection like that. You know, but that's, you know, the, the esteem I hold Tony, I, I you know, I'd take Tony Iommi fucking any day of the week over Randy. And that's not to slam Randy, but you could be this virtuoso or whatever. But man, just Tony Iommi has it. And he can get technical on some shit, you know, not as technical as Randy, but it to me it has much much more fucking heart, you know. Uh, again, not, I'm not slamming Randy, but man, be be respectful to it. But it's well documented he hated Black Sabbath, you know, and and I don't get that, you know, and that makes me that irks me right there. If somebody doesn't like Black Sabbath, I I, I do have to question. But another person uh, who didn't like Black Sabbath was Lemmy. But I, I give I give Lemmy a pass. Uh, he, he gets a get-out-of-jail-free card because he's fucking Lemmy. But that just how anybody could not like Sabbath. To me, that's that's like saying you don't like the Beatles to me. Uh, I mean, it's just crazy. I, I never crazy knew talk. Sabbath. I didn't know Lemmy didn't like Sabbath. That's mine, though. Yeah, I, I, he says it in the, uh, uh, the Don't Blame Me Ozzy video. Well, what he says there is that he thought Ozzy was better without Black Sabbath. He didn't actually say he didn't like Black Sabbath. He just preferred the Ozzy stuff. Uh, well, <laughs> even that's 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 ludicrous. That's yeah, well, ludicrous. I, I I agree with you though, but you know, I mean, yeah, no, no. but I I do know some people who, in my opinion, have shitty tastes that do prefer so uh, Ozzy solo to well, Black I've heard, Sabbath. I've heard more than a few people say that. The versions on Speak of the Devil are way better than the, the original Sabbath versions. And boy, as much as I love Speak of the Devil, I can't agree with that. Right. You know? But, but I... you know, I, the, as far as Randy goes, I really don't think in this case Randy was like, oh, look what I can do. I just think he just, like you said, didn't like Black Sabbath so much, he didn't want to play it. So he played it how he could. And I, and I, I bet you if Randy was alive today, he'd probably say, look, that's the best I can do. I just didn't want to do those monster riffs. I didn't my style, but I don't, I don't really think Randy would have been proud of what he did in those Sabbath songs because he didn't want to play them. I mean, another thing too that you know Randy was supposed to be on Speak of the Devil, and he was really against it. But and this is in the Sarzo book. Uh, they said to him, "Look, you know, because he wanted to leave the band. They don't want him to leave. Say, okay, do the Speak of the Devil album, you can leave." And he was going to do it though. He was dreading it. Okay. But he was well, going to do it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, now, they were already going to do the live album, but I, I was always led to believe that until Randy died, Speak of the Devil wasn't going to be all Black Sabbath covers. That that was changed after Randy died, and they got Brad Gillis. They decided not to play any of the, the Randy stuff, and that's when it became, hey, we're just going to do Sabbath songs. No, the, the plan was always to do a, a live album with nothing but Sabbath songs. That was the plan. 
and, 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 and okay. Randy was alive at the time. I mean, I didn't know this till I read Gruden's book. Um, that Randy, when they they said, "Look, we're gonna have to do it," Randy was really against it, but he also wanted out at the same time. So I said, "All right, let's compromise. Do this album, you can leave." And then he agreed to do it. And this was like, I'm telling you, like days before he died. You know, it was like. It was like on the way to Florida, he said he wanted out of the band already. He wanted to go back to school. It was like right before he died, he was saying this, you know? And it was around that. I didn't know this. It was Rudy Sarzo I said it in his book, so. And I don't think Rudy lies, you know? But, I mean. But, but Rudy says in that book that at that point even it was supposed to be all Sabbath? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, all right. And I don't think Rudy's lying because Rudy also said that Sharon did fuck Randy Rose in his book. And, right. But, you know, at the time that. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, what a cunt for saying that, which I agree. Because, you know, Randy Rose is like, you know, it's got such a great reputation. But another thing everybody's got to remember, Randy was fucking Sharon while Ozzy was still home with his then wife. Because Ozzy was still married at the time when Randy fucked Sharon. So it wasn't like he was doing that shit behind Ozzy's back, you know. Yeah. So there you go. But, uh, yeah, what a cool show. We coming up with all these little tidbits. Uh, one thing I want to ask you real quick uh, before we go back into Iron Man. Uh, is there any bootlegs of uh, of Ozzy playing with uh, Bernie Tro- Torme yes, or yes, Trome or whatever? Yes. It exists. Yes, it does. Have you ever heard it? Yes. It's terrible. Yeah. It's really oh, really? Bad. Yeah. It's, I've heard it. It just doesn't sound like he belonged in the band to me. He, he never he didn't learn Randy solos either. No. Like I've heard Mr. Crowley, and he's just playing like a generic blue solo. Yeah. Nothing against blues. I'm just saying it didn't fit right. the song. He right. he probably in his defense, I don't think he had time. No, he he's didn't. probably thrown he didn't. into it. Yeah, he and was. he just would he's just improving something off the spot. But it's not even improv in a, a style even close to Randy Rhodes. It sounds like just a, a slow melodic blues, almost like a Slash was playing Mr. Crowley. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember. It's. Uh, I believe you could probably see it on YouTube. I I had a cassette copy of it, and I may still have it. I just like listened to it a few times. And, this guy's terrible. I mean, he's a great player, but he's terrible in Ozzy. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so, what do you think of uh, uh, Jake of of Ozzy? I mean, of uh, Randy playing Tony Iommi. I mean, I don't hate it. I prefer hearing the Sabbath original version, but I mean, I can kind of take or leave these. But honestly, I skip all these. I skip the Sabbath uh, covers. Not because of anything against Sabbath, obviously, but it goes back to what you were saying. If I want to hear them, you know, I'll throw in Master Reality or Paranoid or something. I would say out of the three, if I listen to any, I'll listen to Children of the Grave, because I think it's Iron Man, Paranoid, and Children of the Grave. And I, I like... I definitely, if I'm going to listen to it, it's going to be Children of the Grave. I like that one the most. Yeah, I I, yeah. I, I never liked the idea of Iron Man uh, as much as I, I burnt out, like, without that solo. I mean, without Randy's interpretation of that solo. I wish it would have been, you know, it would have been the whole song instead of going right into Children of the Grave. Yeah, if I was to pick the best of the three, I would have to say Children of the Grave too. but that's not really saying much. Um, because I really don't like it. Either. Children of the Grave is my favorite song from my favorite band. So, of course, I'm going to be very biased about it. But, I mean, if I'm going to pick the three, I guess it's because it's my favorite song. But, no, I mean, 
it's not meant for Randy. You know, it's not something that he would write. So therefore, that's why you don't get really the Randy Rhodes, you know, purities on these Sabbath songs because it's something that he pretty much had to do. You know, and he did his best to do it his own. He played it like, okay, let me do it at least somehow that I can somewhat enjoy this shit. You know, and, but I'm sure he still didn't enjoy it. Because he still had to stick to the structures and the riffs and the doom, you know, to Iron Man and, and Children of the Grave. But, um, I, yeah, I, I'm with you guys. I really, uh, it's not a, it's definitely not a highlight on the album. It's something that I would skip as well. You know, I was like, whatever, let's get into, you know, that, that metal. I forgot, that, I'm sorry, I forgot they cut Iron Man short till you said that. It was always that way, too. Like, when I saw it live, it was that way. You know, it's, it's just, I don't like that. Well, you know, like Ian. Ian always bitches about songs that, you know, kind of metal shit. That's how, it's a two-song metal. Even though yeah. they, they do play the full Children of the Grave. But, yeah, you know, and then uh, Paranoid is just, again, it's, I can't, like, separate it from those three, but... That one I'm beyond burnt out on. So I would say, yeah, if I was to pick the best of the three, it would be Chiller Grave, but give me Master yeah. Reality's version any day. See, see, I, I would be the, I, I think Paranoid, he, again, burned out on it. But that one, I think he does the best job because he plays more of that style. <coughs> Children of the Grave, he gets too flashy on it for me. That's my problem with that one out of all three of them. That's the one where he really, like, Okay, let me make it mine. Well, it's not yours. It's always going to be Tony Iommi's, you know. Yeah. And he didn't want it, though. That's one thing we've got to remember. Right. Randy did not want it. He wasn't right. trying to make it his own. He was just like, all right, let's just end this set. Let's do these songs that I don't care about. You know, end the show. Right. I think that's how he felt about doing it. And you kind of, I, I kind of hear it, you know. I don't hear the true spirit of Randy Rose in those Black Sabbath covers. I don't hear the hunger, the fire that you hear on all those other songs. It kind of just seems, it right. sounds like he's going through the motions, you know? He's doing that right. kink, 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 during that, that, that thing he does on Children of the Grave, like, kind of bothers me. The, the, instead of that, gang, da, 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 he does that kind of like, I don't know, what's the phrase for that one, Jacob? Kink, 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 I don't know. He's, he's, <laughs> he's picking the, I think that one's called uh, the cheddar cheese shred Rogato. <laughs> Rogato I, mean, I have it. I, I wish I would have listened to this. I didn't listen to this album either. I mean, it's, I'm kind of like you guys. I've heard it so much. I didn't think I had to, but honestly, I can't think of what you're talking about. Am I, I the only one it. who takes this job seriously? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've heard it like a month ago, but I can't recall. I can't recall what you're talking about specifically. But I, I know in general what you, what you mean. I just looked it up on Wikipedia. It's called the the powdered cheese craft regato. Oh, that's right. That's I it. forgot about there that. Cool. That's right. American cheese, by the way. Awesome. With regato. <laughs> Regattos, that's, that's some good shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, now we go to the last side, and the first two songs are taken from a totally separate concert uh, a year <coughs> earlier. And what do you think of this version of Goodbye to Romance, Ralph? Love it. Adore it. I love this song. Um, my favorite version of Goodbye to Romance is what just came out like four or five years ago, that acoustic version with no drums, no bass. It's just guitar and, and Ozzy. Yeah, that's the, my favorite version of all time. But well, I've always, what's, that, what's that on? 
Uh, that is, I believe, a bonus track on that remaster, uh, Blizzard of Oz. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's in that box set. It's gorgeous. It's just guitar and Ozzy's voice. That's all it is. Uh, but this one, I mean, I love it. I like this more than the Blizzard of Oz version. I think it sounds... Uh, and, and the solo, man. The solo goes back to Quiet Riot. Uh, that is a solo that was on... Actually, I believe that solo is a solo that he would do during his guitar solo. During Quiet Riot. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it is. He, yeah, he would end it with that melt with the ending of Goodbye to Romance. I think the actual song part. Yeah, the little dan Right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I love it. I love the solo on this. I love the structure. I just think it's a beautiful song that uh, Bob Daisley wrote about E.T. <laughs> <laughs> actually, right. actually, not not a lot of people know this. I I, I got it wrong. Not E.T. Bob Daisley wrote this about Goodfellas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wrote about 9-11. <laughs> yeah, he wrote about yeah. that. Good. It was originally called Goodbye to Twin Towers, but Ozzy was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, and when he was called on it, he said, hey, every year has a 9-11. How do you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What, what do you think, Jake? I like this song. Uh, I mean, I don't always listen to this one, to be honest. Sometimes I don't even make it this far in the album. I have a tendency to cut it off after suicide, but... Um, this song's always reminded me of this could have been a Queen song. Every time I hear Goodbye to Romance, I think I could have seen Queen doing this in the late 70s, not, maybe not so much the 80s, but somewhere in that 77, 78 era. That's just what I think of. I, it's, I can even imagine Freddie Mercury singing this. I just, I just think of Queen when I hear this song. I like it. I mean, don't love it, but I certainly don't hate it. Yeah, I, I could see this being a Queen song, too, because it stinks. Uh, <laughs> Uh, man, uh, again, this is not what I want out of the madman, is this mellow shit. But I'll tell you what, man, you can never accuse him, uh, you know, of, of mailing it in, because Ozzy really loves this kind of fucking mellow shit. Uh, you know, I don't think it, it's him coming from a fake place. He just really likes this sappy ballad shit for some reason. Uh, so at, at least it's sincere. Uh, but, you know... It doesn't make it any better. Uh, again, to to me, this is about what and what with the uh, with the studio version. I don't really hear anything that separates it or you know you know adds to it. But uh, you know, there, there's definitely worse songs. But uh, again, I can think of so many other uh, you know like put on over the mountain or S A T O or fucking title track the diary which. I, I find amazing. I'm looking at the set list for the Diary of a Madman tour, and they didn't play the title track. I'm like, holy shit! They only no, added, they... they only added uh, "Over the Mountain." The rest was the same, the same set list. Uh, yeah, uh, I know what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah, nothing else. That's... Somebody told me at one time they played "Little Dolls," but I've never ever heard that anywhere. But... Yeah, and. I... I'm looking at I'm looking at Wikipedia, and sometimes they'll even list stuff like that. Like this song was only played, you know, at two shows, or sometimes they'd swap this for that. But it, it doesn't show. It no, doesn't no. show. Over it. the mountain is the only song added on the Diary of a Mad Mad tour that was the Blues of the Lost Settlers. Right. That is. It. Right. I mean, there, there, there's there's you know two other songs from the album, but those were 
the ones yeah. that were played on, on the yeah, it's on the, the blizzard. blizzard. Yeah, it's the blizzard. They would open the show, I believe, with uh, "Diary of a Madman." You know, the instrumental. But that's it. Right, right. That's what it says. Open with that, then going to "Over the Mountain." Yeah, that that is it. It was nothing else different except one song, the opening track. So, so living proof that Ozzy never knows how to do a set list. <laughs> yeah, no, and also like you, you have to think at that time. I don't think they even had time, you know, like to to because they were just such on a, such a grind. I don't think they had the time to learn all these songs because they didn't have time to teach Ozzy the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, there you go. They didn't have teleprompters back then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they had they had that little dwarf was holding cue cards. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie. Ronnie, yeah. That was fucked up. <laughs> For many years, I never, I never saw the connection of Ronnie James Dio on the major. Really? Yeah, I never knew. I never, I never thought of that until way later. I was like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> Where's that midget today? Like, whatever happened to him? <laughs> well, <laughs> as, as you know. <laughs> There's limited work for midgets these yeah. days. You know, everybody's about bring back the coal jobs. Fuck that. Bring back the midget jobs. These little fuckers need to eat. Uh, a, a, a funny story about the midget thing. Uh, when, I, you know, they used to hang the midget during the Dire uh, Madman tour. And right. uh, one time they were playing the South somewhere and some Alabama cop came up to him. Ozzy and goes, hey, you all hang that midget. Y'all hang a midget every night. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> And, and Ozzy goes, yeah. And he goes, where do you keep them? <laughs> he, he was thinking like they had a truckload of midgets. That they I, and, and then one thing I'm curious about is, uh, you know, Sabbath had the midget on the Born Again tour. I wonder if it's the midget. <laughs> Which didn't, I don't think that lasted more than like a show or two. I know that story. But I saw that tour and, and actually the, 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 the show I saw actually had Stonehenge. You know, because like that is like part of that that Spinal Tap motif. That Stone Edge was too right. big to fit in venues. And oddly enough, right. they, when I saw uh, the Born Again tour, it was in a smaller venue. Actually, the same venue I saw Randy Rhodes, the Sunrise Musical Theater, and it did have the Stonehenge in there. And it's not that big of a place. So I don't know how they got it in there. But no, there was no baby crying before the show started. You know, they oh, they started with Superzar from. Uh, Sabotage, the, the, the instrumental before it went into, what did they open that show with? Uh, I think they opened it with Children of the Grave, actually. That show. But no, there was no baby or midgets on that show. I guess they <laughs> probably couldn't afford it either. You know? Yeah, they, they ended it because the midget died and they couldn't find another one. <laughs> yeah. Where do you keep those midgets? <laughs> Ozzy, Ozzy killed them all on the first tour. Because <laughs> there was no midget on Bark at the Moon tour, was there? Uh, there was, uh, no, there was a knight, a guy who came out in, in, a, in a knight suit, uh, like, you know, armored suit, to give Ozzy yeah. like, something to drink. That was it. Oh, oh, uh, you'd wear, uh, Eddie Trump talks about that, you'd wear like a hood. Well, that was, like, dur that was like during uh, Center of Eternity, but on the yeah. Bark of the Moon tour, they would have like this guy come out and bring Ozzy a drink in a night outfit, like between uh, songs. Not all the songs, it came out like maybe two, three times. But yeah, yeah, yeah during Cent it. Center Eternity, a bunch of monks came out and they were like, yeah. you know, people they got backstage. And that would, they that's would a, that's another thing. What the fuck do knights do anymore? Not a lot of work out there for knights. <laughs> we need to bring those jobs back. Well, Ozzy introduced <laughs> him as Iron Man. Ah, uh, oh, clever. There you go. 
But he was All dressed right. like a he was dressed like a knight. He wasn't dressed like Iron Man. <laughs> All right. Well, Jake, why don't you take no bone movement? <clears throat> All right. Um, not not crazy about this song, studio or even the live version. Uh, kind of to me, this sounds like this could have been a Quiet Riot song. Exactly. I wish they would have uh, put. I don't even know if it exists. A live version of you looking at me, looking at you, instead of this. But I don't know that they ever played that live. But I, you know what? I don't have a I lot to say they, about this song. I think they did. I could be wrong. I think they did play that in the early Bob Daisley era. I think I could be wrong. <coughs> but that song yeah. also reminds me of Quiet Riot. You know, looking at you, looking at me. It has kind of like that. Yeah, same. I agree. I definitely agree. I like that one though. That one just catches my ear. But to, to no me, more movies I've never been crazy about. You said it all. I love I, that. I would. Yeah, I like that one too. <coughs> That, uh, that one's awesome. That's rap, on that live EP, Mr. Crowley EP, or, or yeah, whatever yeah. it's called, right? I have it. I have it on on picture disc two times. I have two of them. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, uh, Ralph on the European leg of uh, of Blizzard of Oz. Looking at you, looking at uh, looking at me, looking at you was the second song. You know, and I kind of think uh, Jacob, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it is on that Glasgow song show. That song, I think it is. It is, now that you mention it, because he says this is the B-side of our new single, Crazy Train. There you go. That's why I knew yeah. they played that shit live. I forgot that until you said it, yeah. Yeah, yeah That that's because uh, the, the European leg was with with Daisley and Kiersler. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It only, only on the European set list. But there obviously it didn't play in uh, Richmond, England, wherever the hell that was. Uh, uh, if it was, it probably would have made the album. Well, no, because only only two songs from that show are on. No, but I'm saying if that show had that, if they played "Looking at You, Looking at Me" on that show, it might have made the album. Was, you think? It was probably off the set list by then. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, yeah, to add more, you know, to take out the drum solo and add that. Right. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm kind of with Jake on on this. No bone movies. The, the best thing I can say about it is I'm not burned out on it. You know, but it it does sound out of place on the album. Oh, definitely. Even on the on the on Blizzard of Oz, it's a very out of place song. Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's what I mean. I, on Blizzard of Oz, it, yeah. it, it seems out of place, and uh, but I mean, I mean, the whole album, really. I mean, it's so different than Black Sabbath, and and this one's even more different than the rest of the album. So it's kind of you know, it's weird that they threw those on there. I guess, like you said, to to fill up. Okay, you know they already had more than enough to, to for a single album. Now they got to come up with something. But uh, yeah, nothing nothing to write home about. Well, I, I love the song. I, I do love it, and uh, but I do agree, it's very out of place. It doesn't fit well. But as, you know, just judging it on on a song alone, it, you know, it doesn't sound like a Blizzard of Oz song. It sounds like a Rocky Rolly song. But I love, I love it. It's 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 tongue in cheek about you know porno and I don't really get the whole no bone movies. What is it like a lesbian movie? No, no. But well, but then they say pulsating glands. I don't know. But uh, I do love the song and I'm glad it's on there. I'm glad there's a live version of it because uh, that's very rare because it wasn't ever played live in the U.S. You know, so I'm glad it made it as well as it's. Well, especially Goodbye to Romance, because Goodbye to Romance has that solo. 
That's just so perfect and beautiful that I'm glad they're on there. But yeah, No Bone Movies is kind of a throwaway tune. That it's I, the closest thing to a filler song. Yeah, it is a filler song. It basically is yeah. a filler song. That when I saw the Blizzard of Oz and they didn't play it, I wasn't surprised. You know? Yeah. They played the maybe, whole album except that song. Maybe it's about when he was dating Sharon and he's like, Hey, you want to go see a flick? And she's like, No Bone Movies, you fucking pervert. Flaps. <laughs> <laughs> According to uh, Kevin DeBrow, him and Randy have been saying that since they were teenagers. So I've I, seen a uh, 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 bone movies. They had been calling porn movies bone movies. I saw a letter that Randy wrote Kevin DeBrow from. He went on a, a train with his mom somewhere, and he I think he was in New Orleans, and uh, he said something about uh, he made a reference to a bone movie. And this letter was written in the mid-70s. Interesting. So maybe I, I would have to read the lyrics, but maybe that's what it means. Like, you can't see a bone movie here. I don't know. Yeah, over here know. there's no bone movies. You know, somewhere. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. But yeah, it is kind of a throwaway, but not as much of a throwaway as the next one. I I, uh. I find it pointless. And, and you know, yeah. I know how Ian feels about this. I absolutely love D. I love that little mm-hmm. instrumental. But just to hear him, I mean, it's cool, but it's something I would rather hear on a bootleg. You know what I mean? Like an outtake type thing. But this is like, you know, Randy going over it over and over again. It's something that I I never really like, like the album's over after no boat movies with me. I was like, all right, I don't need to hear this again. I, uh, Randy like, okay, let me try again, you know? Uh, you know, and you hear that raspy voice. It's cool. It's cool to have for me as like a, a fan of Randy Rhodes. It's a cool little piece, but it is kind of pointless to put it on an album that goes out to the mass, you know, to, you know, to the masses. You know, it's not something that would appeal to everybody. Everybody would just want to hear D, not like, you know, Randy going over it over and over again. But, I mean, I love it as far as like, you know, a fanboy, but for an actual album release, I feel like it's a way too long, man. They should have shaved it a bit. What would have been cooler and I don't know if you guys have heard this. Have you guys heard RR? No. Oh, my God, Jake. You got to hear it. You know, I made a video for it, but YouTube, you know, Sharon won't allow it. There is an actual guitar solo Randy did in the studio. He was just letting off steam. And he does this ripping solo. The solo is about maybe a minute and change, maybe a minute and a half. And he just goes apeshit. He's ripping, ripping, ripping. And there's actual, if, uh, also that box that brings a DVD, the making of, or the Blizzard years, where Ozzy's sitting there listening to it for the first time. And his oh, eyes, I've heard that. Yeah, you yeah. heard it, where his eyes bug out. Yeah. Like, what the hell is this? See, that would have been yeah, better. Yeah, I've seen that. That would have been better. See, that that's on the actual box. That's, that whole recording in the mm-hmm. box. And that would have been great. because it's. It, but, you know, it's not something Randy planned. He was just fucking around in the studio like letting off steam just I guess like ripping on the guitar as far I, I believe the, stu- the the producer said in that thing that Randy did that after he did a take on some song and he just kept ripping and ripping yeah and, he, it, and he just kept recording yeah, yeah. And he just Randy let, didn't even know he was being recorded yeah exactly. I know he, I remember that yeah that that would have been not, that I would have put on there with an edited version of D maybe like you know two times he tried to do it but man how long is how long is it, Ian D, on that tribute album? 
four minutes and 22 seconds. And how long is D? Like 30 seconds, right? Uh, let me check here. Uh, it's not even a minute. I know that. Maybe 40 no, at the most. At the most. Yeah. Uh, 50, 50 seconds. Oh, there you go. All right. A little over, I thought. But, yeah, 50 seconds to four minutes, that's, you know, four times. And, and change, you know, of him going over and over the song. I'd rather have. Or, you know what would have been cool, man? And, and I would wish they would do this in the future. Like, get, like, a version of uh, of You Can't Stop Rock and Roll without the fade out and just play that whole damn solo. Because every time I listen to that shit, I turn the volume up real loud while You Can't Stop Rock and Roll is playing just to hear Randy just rip. Uh, Mr. Crowley, right. Mr. Crowley's the same way. So is uh, the song Tonight. There's a lot of those, like, fading out solos that I would just love to hear the whole thing. Even Suicide Solution when he's doing all those whammy things i would like to hear that whole thing you know instead of the fade out that that always like kind of pissed me off it's like god i wish i could hear more of that what randy especially you can't stop rock and roll that's where he's like not you can't kill rock and roll that's when he's like really ripping man it just fades away where you hear him still ripping it's like fuck i wish it could have kept going you know all right. Yeah, I've cranked that in tonight myself. Like as loud as like as it's fading out, I try to crank it right in sync where it's not fading. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah. And here at the very end of it, yeah, and it's like it just gets better as it goes, and yeah. they're fading it out. Yeah, it kind of sounds like man. I bet it's probably even better what got faded out, but uh, time restraints and you know, back then grooves on albums you can only put so much on one side. You know what I mean? So, and that's probably what pissed Randy off too. Like they took that away. You know. Who knows? Yeah, I'm sure he didn't hear any of that till the final yeah, mix. Yeah, and probably pissed him off, you know. But anyway, yeah. So, all right, all right, Ian, attack. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, four minutes and 22 seconds of D. You know what I'd rather hear is the fucking audio of fucking Randy fucking Sharon. Would, would be more entertaining <laughs> than this. You know, you, know, um, you, you know you would eat your words if you really did get to hear that. Can you imagine that girl being fucked, that voice? And Randy with that fucking cigarette, like, yeah, Karen. Shit, man. That would have been terrible. Yeah, but it would have been more entertaining than fucking hearing D for four minutes and yeah. 22 seconds. You say that, Gee, now. I, 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 I mean, I'd much rather hear, uh, you know, this RR you speak of. Uh, sounds way more interesting than this. It will blow but, your uh, mind. It is a killer, killer cranking solo. But I don't know. I, I'd, I'd like to hear what Sharon's like getting fucked by Randy Rhodes. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that'd be better. Well, just go on, <laughs> just go on Motherless and look up bestiality porn. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, wa I want to hear what what the, the fifteen dogs are doing during the middle of this. <laughs> Ouch. Oh God. All right. Uh, did you speak about D already, Jake, or you got No, no. Uh, well, this, yeah, this would be the one where I actually will say I prefer the Blizzard version over this for obvious reasons. I mean, it goes back to everything you guys have already said. I think this is. I'm pretty sure this is named after his mom, Dolores. Yes, it is. Right? Yes. Who I who I met. Oh, I met really? Dolores. Wow. I met her in 2005. Dude. No shit. That's amazing. Yeah, I love and, uh, I love uh, that woman. At a Washington Mutual Bank. I don't even think Washington Mutual Bank's around anymore. I was uh, going into a bank. It was about 2005, 2006 in Burbank, California. And I see this elderly woman, and I'm like, 
Is she an old school actress? I know this woman is so familiar, I cannot place her. And she's sitting to the side and then I see her say something to a guy in line. And immediately I'm like, that's Kelly Rhodes. Oh my God, this is Dolores fucking Rhodes. I wow. have to say something. I wow. have to say something. And I collect my thoughts and I wait like two minutes and I pretend I'm filling out a deposit form or something. And then I just walk over to her and she kind of looks at me very pleasantly. And I'm like, uh, hi, my name's Jacob. I'm not going to take up a lot of your time. I just figured out who you are. And I just want you to know your son is the reason I started playing guitar. Wow. And I just was trying to make a point because I didn't want her to think, oh, this guy's about to start, you know, talking to me or whatever. But she was very pleasant. She had nothing. She was waiting anyway. And she was very open, asking me questions. And I mean, we talked for like four or five minutes. Uh, Kelly Rhodes looked at me and just kind of nodded. And I never actually met or spoke with him. Um, and she 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 plugged her school at the end. I, I well first I said, didn't Randy go to a, a junior high school or high school right here? This is Burbank High. And she goes, yes, he did. You know, she was real pleasant, real nice. And uh, she started. I said, do you still have your school? And she said, yeah, I do. And she asked me, did I know the name, which is uh, Municipal? I butchered the pronunciation. She corrected me, and then she plugged her school and invited me to you know come check it out. And uh, which I never did for financial reasons, but anyway, that's yeah, it was real cool. I spoke with her for about five minutes. That is amazing, man. I, I was so I was so sad when she passed away. I, I remember a, a picture of her holding one of Randy's guitars soon before she died. That was such a cool picture. I shared it, and there is like footage of her with uh, the guy from Tesla. Uh, I think I've seen, I've seen that. Yeah, the guy from Tesla went to the the, the actual school and interviewed her. And it was really nice. Was, she seemed like such a nice lady. Wow, yeah, very, amazing that very you met her. patient, very pleasant. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing you met her, man. She lived a long time. Yeah, ninety something. She was up there, little bitty lady. You see why Randy was so small, and he was small. I, I've been to the uh, the Guitar Center in, in Hollywood, and they have that red vest he used to wear. And oh, my wow. God, if you didn't know, you would think that was like children's clothes. Like it has like, it, it also has stuff he wore in Quiet Riot, like uh, a little polka dot yeah. uh, vest and little blue pants. And it's like, there's no way a man wore this. This looks like something a 12 year old wore. Wow. Well, he was a little I, guy. I know when he wore that bow tie on what I was the second album, I used to think that was just like a really big bow tie, but no, that was a man sized one. It was just that big on him. <laughs> yeah. He was wow. a tiny guy. That is amazing, man. Wow. Unbelievable. All right. yeah, his, his mom was even smaller. She was couldn't have been much more than five feet. Yeah. All right. Well, well, that sums it up. This was released March nineteenth, nineteen eighty seven. Produced by Max Norman, and oddly enough, Ozzy is credited as a producer as well. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, probably all he did was bump into a couple of knobs while he was. Uh, getting the sniffles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By yeah, he was probably in the same yeah. state as the uh, Western Decline of Civilization Part Two. Yeah, right. that was what probably you... you know spilling the orange juice and shit. Yeah, he fell on top of the board, and then Max said, "Damn, that sounds good." All oh, one credit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, Sharon was right there to say, "Make sure you pay him for that." Yeah, he turned that knob for you, but he passed out and fell on it. Doesn't matter. Yeah, make the check right. out to Sharon Osborne. Yeah. <laughs> All um, right, well, this made it to number six on the charts. I remember very this, high. Yeah, and it was very successful. I'm pretty sure it went platinum or over that, right? 
Yeah, by uh, 1997, it's gone double platinum. Nice. That's awesome. So, yeah. Now, is that, you know, we've talked about this before. Does that mean it actually sold one million, like it's really platinum? Or is it honestly double platinum? Because I don't know how they would count this, because I originally got it on cassette. Now, it was just a single cassette, and it was just a single CD. The CD was edited a little bit, uh, but on vinyl it was too. So I don't know, you know, did it actually sell two million or did it sell a million? Well, so. like, yeah, even back in the day, man, if it's a double album, they they count each album on sales. Right, yeah. right. But but the reason I question that is is by the time this came out, uh, you know, vinyl wasn't the standard format. It was cassette and right. CD. So. So pure, but I mean, I, this was immensely popular, you know, because because of the legacy that that had grown since his death, you know. Plus, you know, the way MTV played Crazy Train, you know, it it's almost a kind of a case like when Danzig put out that EP and and they had the live version of Mother, it blew up bigger than it was released. I think the same way with Crazy Train was even bigger when Tribute came out than it was when it was initially released for uh, Blizzard. Well, before oh, Tribute yeah. came out, uh, Randy Rose was every, was already at martyr status. You know, he was already like, you know, everybody loved Randy. So, and everybody I knew bought this album. So I can totally see it be, you know, I mean, if, if uh, two million were sold, it'd be quadruple problem, right? Right. But uh, yeah, I can totally see it sell a lot. You know, I, I figured, cause, Everybody I knew owned this shit. And I remember, look, when I had a record store in 88, which was, what, two years later, a year later, I sold it a lot. I remember selling that album a lot. That and uh, Appetite for Destruction were my biggest sellers at that time. And the soundtrack to Dirty Dancing. Wow. <laughs> Those were the three hot sellers at my record store. There you go. Yeah, that would have been that time frame. Yeah. Those were the three things I sold the most. I kept restocking those three. <clears throat> All, right. All right. Well, you know how we do it around here, Jake. It's time for pick of the week. You, you got one? Oh shit! Uh, let me go last. Let me think. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I thought you listened to this show. Damn it! I actually, yeah, I, 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 just, actually I haven't have thought about my pick of the week. All right, uh, Ralph, do you have one? Yes, I do have one, and, I, and I'm going to do one that's uh, that features the rhythm section of this album. Uh, Rudy Sarzo and Tommy Aldridge is a band that really they, they made an album but it never got released but then Shrapnel released it it's it, originally the, the, the band was called Driver but they think they, now it's called Project Driver it features Tony right. McAlpine on guitar and Rob Rock on vocals and I think it's a great album dude. I think it's a smoking album a lot of it's a shreddy album that's why it's on Shrapnel but there's some great songs Nation on Fire is the song that sticks out the most to me and uh, i have i have it and i've never listened to it i need to check it out i really love i played nations on fire on my show from time to time uh and uh i think it's a great yeah that i remember actually that that band was actually craig goldie was the original guitar player i remember seeing that in magazines back then but then uh, uh then they changed it to mcalpine who's far better way better than craig goldie's guitar player and uh yeah, that's my pick of the week. Uh, Project Driver. But the, actually, the band's really called Driver. Right on. I mean, soon All after right. soon after Sarzo and Aldridge joined Whitesnake, so that was, it was scrapped. 
Uh, right. Yeah, I actually have it on CD, which is very hard to get. I got it back in the 80s on CD. It's on Shrapnel wow. Records. I think they were actually signed to a bigger label, but it was dropped. Ah. All right. Well, my pick is another live album that came out in 87. And this one has definitely been enhanced by the studio. But I'm, uh, much like you, I'm fine with that because I think it sounds incredible. And that is Wasp Live in the Raw. Uh, doesn't really get talked about that much, man, but I, I fucking love this one. And uh, it had new tracks that they did just for the album. It had a studio track, uh, Screaming to You Like It, which was actually done, uh, was a rough cut song. And I didn't they... know that for many years. I, I had no idea that was actually a cover. Right. And, uh, man, I, I remember I had this on cassette, and then when CDs came out, you couldn't get it in North America. And you could only get it as an import. And I was so excited. The first trip I ever took to Florida was uh, St. Petersburg. And uh, and I found it at a record store there, and I was just like, oh, my God. And I forget what I paid for it, but it was like, it was probably 20-something bucks. And which at that time was a lot for a CD, you know, unless wow, you were like that's at weird, the Wow, weird, because I, I bought that brand new on CD. That's wow, how, maybe, yeah. maybe it came out and then it was discontinued real yeah, quick. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe it came and went, but I did buy that on CD. I bought the vinyl much later. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, and I, I, I'm, I bought the vinyl in the last 10 years, actually. Let's, let me put yeah. it that way. Yeah, I got the vinyl. I actually got off Discogs. I found a still sealed copy of it. And, and I was nervous about it because I've heard horror stories of people buying old records that were still sealed and you get it like the records warped or whatever, you know, problems with it. But man, it, it was perfect, flawless copy. Nice. And I was really excited to get that because I, I do love the album. Uh, and, and man, that was at the height of my my Wasp fandom. Uh, and and I, rec- I recommend it to any fan of Wasp. They also did... I mean, they, they've done a few live albums since. There's a double live Assassins that's actually really good, uh, and that's got some of the newer material on it. But they got one called uh, The Sting Live at the Key Club. Avoid that one like the plague. That one really yeah, sucks. I actually have that on DVD. Yeah, I've got it on DVD too and CD, and they both stink. Yeah. Uh, and that that was supposed to be something that was going to be. Uh, like webcast and you could get it on the internet and on some pay-per-view channels and by all accounts like it was a total disaster shit didn't work right there was there wasn't any interest in it really and uh i know blackie hates that fucking album and show but uh man start with live in the raw by wasp uh if you love early era wasp i think you'll love it yeah That's i really favorite. i really liked harder factor the, the, the new track on there i thought that was the best track on there I like Manimal, too. <laughs> yeah, Manimal is funny. They made a video for it. <clears throat> yeah. All right, Jacob, and, found something? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Ready. No, I'm, I'm ready. All right. Find, yeah, Jacob? my pick of the week would be Death Human. Are you, are you guys familiar with that album? Who? Yeah. Death, the band Death, the album Human. Came out like 91, oh, yeah, late yeah, 91, yeah. early human, 92. Human, Human, yeah, yeah. No, it's a yeah, great yeah. album. That's the album he did with Cynic. Right, right. That's got Paul Mazzaval and uh, Sean Reinhardt on it. That's my favorite Death album. I revisit that album probably once every three months. Play it like two or three days out of the week. I just get like urge for it. That's probably what I've heard the most this past week, so that would definitely be 
what would be a pick of the week for me. There's a um, there's a cover of God of Thunder by Kiss on there. Yeah. And I'm gonna go ahead and apologize now because <laughs> I know this audience worships Kiss. Yeah. But in my opinion, the death version of God of Thunder is fucking just beyond blows away the fucking Kiss version. Well, it was like, great having great. you here, Jacob. <laughs> I yeah, mean, yeah. it's just like fucking. I mean, I like the version. I'm not saying I don't like the Kiss version or I hate it. I mean, I like Kiss. I'm a Kiss fan, but that version, I just, I probably like it or even love it for the same reason a lot of people would hate it because I love Chuck's voice. I love, like, the way he comes in with that extremely, obviously guttural, aggressive voice. It's not as guttural as some of those guys. I, I think he actually was, didn't take it to the extreme as why I prefer him over a lot of other death metal vocalists, but like Cannibal Corpse or someone, but that album just fucking rips. Like the first track, Flattening of Emotions, like, oh yeah. to I me, the, 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 the main part of the riff during the chorus, I was like Phantom of the Opera. Like the intro of Phantom of the Opera by Iron Maiden had to have been an influence on this one part in Flattening of Emotions, right? I guess what would be called the chorus, you know, death metal songs have a unusual structure sometimes, but that together is one secret face See Through Dreams is another good one. I just, I love that album. But I mean, I'm all into that shit. I would think, Ralph, you're pretty familiar with that scene because, I mean, you're in the damn mecca of where all that stuff came from, from that era. Well, yeah, I'm a huge fan of death. I mean, I love everything except for uh, Sound of Perseverance. That's where they kind of lost me. I know a lot of people, a lot of people hated them from human on. Or uh, uh, most people think they stopped at human. But I really did like symbolic and individual thought patterns. I thought... They're both great albums, and uh, but you know, I mean, I, I discovered them with Leprosy, so I'm a little more biased with the first three. But yeah, yeah. Um, after Spiritual Healing, you know, my favorite would—I mean, my favorite is Leprosy. Then mm-hmm. I would, then I would say uh, Stream Bloody Gore. Then I would say Spiritual Healing, and then I would put because already uh, Leprosy. I mean, uh, Human—they were—they were like um, changing, though. I mean, you know, you yeah, know, it, w- it was definitely he had. It was becoming more of a progressive. Yeah, lack of uh, comprehension was like with right. the video, and it was kind of like, whoa, what, oh, is, yeah. what is this? But you know, oh it, yeah, it I still had that. I love that fucking song. But it's yeah. very different than you know, living monstrosity and you know, pull the plug and stuff like that. You know, but it, right, that's that's like more traditional death metal. Yeah, yeah. but uh, where this is evolving, I suppose, to uh, more of a progressive. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah. This is this is where they this was where they they went on. Like the next album, they just went a little more progressive. This one still had a lot of the dirty, ugly death metal influence, but there's a lot of progression in it, more than the. Do you like? Do you like the uh, God of Thunder cover? Uh, Yeah, I actually did. Uh, Not more than Kiss though. But what I really hated was their Painkiller cover. Oh my God. Have you heard no, that? No, I'm not crazy about that either. I don't Ooh, like his vocals. A lot of people love... Have you heard that, Ian? Them doing Painkiller? Uh, I think I have. Oh, no, I no, no, no. You haven't heard it. You remember that shit. That shit's fucking scarring. His it's, voice is horrible. It's so bad. Oh, Painkiller. No, I, I, no I, I think that's one of the ones I checked out just because it was a cover. It's so uh, bad. It's so, so n- bad. Yeah, no, it's it's awful. Like, Chuck Schuldner's voice changed every album, and that very last album... It was just like a former shadow of itself. It was real hollow, and it's like he was listening to a lot of power metal stuff right before he died. Yeah, and which is cool, but he was he was definitely starting to get influenced by that. You could just tell by his voice. 
Like, I'm, I don't like his voice on Sound of Perseverance too much at all. And on Painkiller, it's fucking horrible. No, it's so bad. But um, you, are you aware of Kevin Warhaft, Jacob? I, I know who he is. I've seen him on your page, and I've heard him on your show a lot. He actually, Kevin's Corner? Yeah, exactly. He actually hung out uh, while they were uh, recording that, that album. Because wow. he, he was friends with those guys in Cynic. So he was actually nice. in the studio while they were recording Human. Uh, and I've met Chuck on two occasions. Shit, I staged though, and it's on it's on uh, it's on uh, YouTube, uh, the Cameo Theater. You can see me stage diving twice, but you have to look really good because I was extremely skinny back then. Like, you know. What what is it? I want to look at. I want to look this up. Like, what's what's the title exactly? Uh, the Cameo Theater, Miami Beach Death. I believe it was okay, 1989, cool. maybe. Uh, Cameo. Or 80, 88, 89. They were opening for Death Angel, and they weren't even announced. It was a, it was a fluke. It's like, whoa, Death is playing. I was like, holy fuck, you know. And that was the first time I saw them, but I saw them again on Spiritual Healing. I never saw them with uh, the Human. I don't think ever came down here. I met Chuck twice, and not to speak bad of the dead, but he wasn't very nice. But he wasn't like a very, he wasn't like a dick either. He just didn't seem like, you know, he wanted to be bothered. So. And, I uh, met him. I met him twice too, and I got that vibe. I, did, I wouldn't say he was a dick, but he definitely yeah. was. He was. Yeah, he was a reserved. He was a yeah. very reserved guy. Yeah, I met him in Milwaukee and yeah. New Orleans. I actually saw the very last death, the last two death shows. Wow. December tenth and December twelfth of '98, Dallas. Then we went to New Orleans. Of course, no one knew it was the last one at the time, but he was gone in less than three years. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you experienced this, Jacob, because you you don't live in Florida, but down here. Man, a lot of people hated Chuck before he died. And then after he died, he became like a saint. And such a, but man, uh, uh, you know Cam Lee? Uh, he, was in, he was in Massacre, and he, he actually was part of, um, oh, what was the band of death before Mothra, was it called? Before, uh, yeah. yeah he was, uh, he was Mantis? Ma- Mantis, I'm sorry, yeah, it was Mantis. Yeah. Um, oh, he hated Chuck, and, they, and they were, there's video footage of him holding a Chuck doll. This is when Chuck was still alive and calling him gay and a faggot and all that. And a lot of people wouldn't yeah. make fun of the way he would talk. But you don't hear about that anymore. Now it's like, you know, he gets so brave. But there, right. there was a time he was kind of like the Lars Ulrich of the death metal scene. You know what I mean? I, I, can, I, I don't agree with that, but I can see why he would be a target for that because he has a sort of feminine quality about him. Right. And like if I ever would have heard the guy was gay, I wouldn't have been shocked either. I'd been like, yeah, I, I can see that. Not yeah. that I thought he was gay, but it's one of those things where if you hear somebody turns out to be that way, you're like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but um, a lot of people were like, you know, criticizing him too because of control denied. And, you know, there was just a lot of, you know, hatred toward Chuck. And also, you know, because of human and you know the direction they no no you gotta that's the back that's the problem with the death penalty you gotta remain brutal you can't change yeah. you know it's like right it's it's sort of a tunnel vision thing and that. he totally did i mean that guy took chances and i and i i'm telling you i like the i like the later stuff i loved individual thought patterns and symbol i thought they yeah. were all great albums but you know my favorites is you know it's like my first listen it's just like your first listen was uh, Tribute, so of course you're going to take that over Blizzard of Oz. So you, you probably heard Scream Bloody Gore when it was new. No, uh, I discovered them on Leprosy. I came a little late. Okay. My friend turned me on to Leprosy, and I didn't get it at first. I was like, I don't know, man. This one's a little too crazy. <laughs> but then, you know, <laughs> he gave it to me on cassette, and I would, uh, and he's like, dude, just listen to it over and over. And then it did. I didn't. 
then it finally got to me. I mean, I liked Possessed. And Possessed was, you know, pretty much like death metal too, you know. But this yeah. one was a little a little more extreme and but then, you know, after that it opened the gates where I became like very much into the death metal scene back then, but I kinda like got burnt out and now it's like all I do is listen to, if I'm gonna put on death metal, it's gotta be like that early death metal stuff like obituary and you know and morbid angel my favorite and stuff like that i have to listen to i can't That's really my get i agree morbid yeah. angel is my favorite even yeah. over death yeah morbid angel is my favorite fucking band up to domination i mean I, I thought gateways was pretty good but yeah we're getting very death metal geeky and a lot of our listeners are getting pissed <laughs> all right cool and yeah. ian passed yeah out. yeah Le- less death and more death leopard <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Well, as uh, long as it's two arm, two arm Def Leppard's better than one. Yeah, that's right. And with Pete Willis too. All right. Well, now we go into fan of the week, and our fan of the week is with us today. Jake, yeah. you are the fan of the week, and uh, oh, awesome. And nice. uh, let let, it, let everybody know how you discovered the show and your thoughts on it and all that, what have you. I discovered this show because I followed Ralph on uh, the Year of Vaults. And he kept plugging a podcast he was about to do. And he was mentioned it was going to be two other guys, Ian from New Orleans and a guy he was calling the Rock Sponge. We all know who that is. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I heard the first episode, which was really short. It was Eat em and Smile. It was not called Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I can't, I think it was called Out Light dark, or Dark. Dark Light. Dark, dark Light. Yeah. Dark, yeah. And Ian, I remember Ian it came up with that stupid crackling. name. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, was, it was really, it like, I. I don't even know if you guys still have it up, but I remember the quality was bad. It was real crackly, like a crackle sound over the entire thing. And I just remember well, that and kept listening from then on. And well, then I was like... Back then, that's when Ian used to smoke crack. And what you heard oh, okay. was him like lighting up crack. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I quit smoking crack. I was like, <laughs> Ian, Ian, light up that crack away from the mic, goddammit. Well, that was like 35 minutes of crack smoke, and you guys had shorter shows then. I guess that's fortunate for you, because at oh, this yeah. point, you could have done been smoking crack for over two hours. Oh, we'd be well, dead actually, by now. Actually, the first thing we put up, even before the Eat em and Smile, remember we did the whole uh, Van Halen discography in like three parts, and that sounded really bad. That was the very first thing we put up. Did that, that, I that did, was I've never heard up. that. I don't What's even that? remember that. Yeah, yeah. I know, I've never heard that. Yeah, it got it got cut into like three parts, and it was really bad. But we just like breezed through. We just we didn't even go like song to song. We just talked about you know the first six albums or seven albums. Damn, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, that that was the first thing we did, and I don't even think we had the Podbean thing yet. I think we recorded it, and you put it up on YouTube. Oh. And, and then it was so bad, you you took it off. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Those were bad. I mean, I, I go back and revisit those shows, and they were just so terrible. I mean, we we're finding our way. It was like, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm going to make you happy now. I'm going to be happy now because Ian don't like this song. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> fucking it. And, and Terrence, you better like it, you son of a bitch. It was, ter- <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> this is where I school your ass. Yeah. <laughs> Those I, I I don't know I'm in, I'm in the group of people who like those episodes for all the wrong reasons. There you go. You know, <laughs> like I, I I can listen to the, the the best one I think was Among the Living. Oh my God, that's like my least favorite. That was one. it. Well, no, I'm just talking about the tension. 
The yeah. tension is pretty oh, yeah. entertaining. <laughs> yeah, because Terrence didn't know what the hell he was talking about. Oh, yeah, and that's when he kept uh, snoring and shit. Right, right. Yeah, 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 you, can, was... you can just feel Ian's anger just <laughs> through the headphones, especially yeah. the part where you interrupt him and you're like, shut the fuck up, Terrence. This is my turn. I didn't interrupt you or something. You're like, whoa. And then, There's yeah. some tension. Those were the days when Ian would call me going, Dude, and I'm like, come on, let's give him a chance. It'll, uh, then I, you know, and I finally woke up going, yeah, I don't think it's getting better, dude. Yeah, we're going to have to let him go. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. But no, that's that was that was pretty much how I. Uh, yeah, so I guess I heard of it from the unless other than the Van Halen discography, I heard it from the the beginning. Wow! Right on, man. All right, well, thanks again, and thanks for donating. Thanks again, and what do you say we get to the plugs, Ralph? Let's do it. Listen to the Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully G U L L Y A N D J O A dot U K, eight p.m. UK time, three p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as Ultra Sexy Classic Album Series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast the Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Sim Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You 
a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. All right. Well, if you love that randy-tastic episode, come back next week when the band we're talking about was greatly influenced by Ozzy Osbourne. Nothing, nobody can deny that. What band? Well, you'll find out next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.